This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Episode is Mulholland Falls. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the digitally enhanced Justin Waddell. Justin, how are you doing? I mean, I'm okay. You dodging COVID? Trying. Bobbing and weaving. How about you, Nick? How's it yeah, going? Yeah, I had a close call. I I, I, uh, I came out of doorway and, uh, and there was an uppercut from COVID coming. And I just I sidestepped, lucked out. Yeah, you've been keeping in shape, so you can. Oh yeah, that's, that's definitely. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, but we're not alone tonight, are we? No, never. But especially tonight, we are joined by our most frequent guest, which earns him a a, a zinc microscope, Mister John McCarrowitz. Welcome back, John. What's happening, guys? How are you doing with COVID? You know, we had a scare actually this past week, but it was a false positive. So my one of my family members had a, a positive, but went down to the health department, came back negative. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was pretty freaky because they had been around my mom. My mom's 73. Um, so mm. definitely, uh, you know, for a couple of days there, I was reframing the last couple of months and just making sure we were really staying smart. So be careful out there, folks. That's right. Yeah, you mask it. You guys are masking out, right? You guys are masking yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. You know, I actually I'm at a place, though. I was just going to say, like, I'm at a place now where I don't think I'm ever going to not wear a mask anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the anonymity. I do the buff thing, so it kind of comes up half the face, wear a hat. Sometimes I even keep my sunglasses on. So I think I'm just all in now. Did you can, do you, can you describe your favorite uh, mask to us? Yeah, it's just one of those, uh, I guess they're called beaters technically. Um, but, uh, you know, just pop it up over the uh, the old nose and face and go about my day. I love it. I find it to be very, I find it to be very masculine. You know, I know a lot of these oh, Republicans are struggling with it because they they're weak and they, they can't really breathe well because they're, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, you know, they're just kind of weak individuals. So oh, for me, I'm, I, I find it very masculine to wear the mask. I'm into it. I was at Target today wearing a mask and I ran into a friend of mine who was wearing a mask. We recognized each other. And I think it's a, a bit of a um, non-compliment because I think you recognize me from me being fat. No, <laughs> you, know what, you know what? Actually, I, at the beginning of this whole thing, I thought it was kind of cool with these custom masks. Yeah. But I literally got freaked out a couple of times by some of the masks I've seen. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys. I have had at least three or four, maybe five instances where I saw somebody melting down about the mask in public, like oh, melting the fuck down. Mm-mm. I haven't seen it. I would love to, but I haven't seen it. 
I was at Home Depot and this fucking steroided douchebag was wearing it. Uh, they forced him to wear it and he was complaining about it the whole time. And then he shredded it off his face and stormed around like he was looking for somebody to pick a fight with him. Oh, wow. So I hope he goes and builds a house or something. Did you um, did you plug our show when he was in the middle of that tantrum? Yeah. <laughs> if somebody is, I promise, if some if something like that happens and somebody's recording a viral video, I'll pop in like I'll pop it in the corner like Toasty and say, Move your microscope. <laughs> <laughs> toasty. <laughs> that's for the old timers. That'd be great if it if it, if it went viral somehow, because that's what these people post them on Twitter and everybody like, can't can you believe this shit? And then Nick's in the corner. And then and this guy's over here talking about microscopes for some reason. And then and then they're and then they're they're in therapy like the pandemic was the second worst thing that happened to me this year. <laughs> Meltdowns, and it's all, you know, I live north. There's a lot of hillbillies out here, and they're just, they're not taking a, a liking to being told to read books and stuff. Um, so, guys, it's a movie microscope. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of you have never been here before, and welcome, new listeners. Um, I'm very proud to accept you into our open arms. Uh, if you are familiar with the show, it's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film with mysterious eyes. We glance at it. We uh, channel it through the charnel house, and then we we deposit little pieces of it throughout the room. And one of us is tasked with gathering it and finding the moments that make or break. So if we were talking about the pickle, we wouldn't talk about the scene where Danny Aiello is found to be hollowed out completely at the end of the movie. We talk about the little moments. And there are tons of those in today's movie. There are two little moments that aren't going to be in this movie. We'll talk about those a little bit later, I think. How many times wow. did you see the pickle, Justin? I've never seen it. I, maybe I did see it. Maybe I did see it in a video a long time ago. But directed by, is it Bogdanovich? Oh, did I, don't, I didn't see it that hard. <laughs> he might have directed that. I got to know because I hate that guy. I need more reasons to hate him more. Um, is that, his ascot doesn't, doesn't do it for you? I, he, he, he will fight you on that. He says it's not an ascot. It's a handkerchief. Yeah, you listen Paul, to Paul Mazursky. Paul Mazursky. Oh, maybe Bogdanovich is in it then. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Of. Well, Mazursky is sort of like a light Bogdanovich. Yeah. Maybe uh, zoom in a little back. bit. Let me zoom in. He um, he uh, he was in Into the Night. Paul Mazursky. Uh, as a he acted in it. Director cameo. Yeah, remember that movie? Had, wasn't there a lot of director cameos? Yeah, like Landis and um, I mean, there's a shitload. I, mean, I know Landis Mazursky, probably millions more. So good for us. Uh, did you? Uh, you don't like that movie, though, right? No, I love that movie. I love that movie. Okay, I was wrong. Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Uh, who's the girl? Michelle. Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Right? Michelle yep. Pfeiffer. Yeah. No, I remember that movie was on HBO all the time when we were little. Yeah. And I, there's a scene where he loses his. He finally he finally gets a set of balls on him towards the end, and he's talking to a terrorist, which I yeah. think is played by a film director. And he says, shithead, you. And for some reason, that stuck with me. And I used to say that all the time. That sounds very Goldblum. The funny thing is, that guy could say, he could read Mein Kampf, and it'll sound delightful. He probably does. Yeah. Zoom in. Yeah, Gold- get a little dirt on Goldblum. Yeah, a little Jewish man reading Mein Kampf. Yeah, I see that. He, uh, but he's, you know, he's got to come up dirty at some point. He's been around a long time. Everybody loves him. At some point, it's over, right? Game I think over. he's a member of Hollywood's hung jury too, which probably 
could lead to some uh, stories. You you've heard tell of his genitals. Who's oh, yeah. talked to you about his penis before? There was uh, I had a, what was it? Julia Phillips's book. You'll never eat lunch in this town again. Okay. Meanwhile, we got Cannery Row happening in the upper corner over there. Um, there was that you know like the notorious like Martin Landau and and uh, Milton Berle and uh, Frank Langella and uh, Liam Neeson and good okay. old Jeff Goldblum, known for having. <laughs> This gigantic book, dicks. This book takes <laughs> off famous big dicked actors, is what you're telling me. Is that true? And how does she have this knowledge? Is she hooked up with all these men? Or, or no, I think, well, probably, but it's it's also like the gossip machine. Like there's oh. like this, you know, the group inside the group kind of thing. I do remember well, the Jeff Goldblum one because I feel like that one hit the news wires after that book came out because that that definitely came across my screen at some point. Well, he stormed off the set when he saw that medicine cabinet. He's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you need a bigger cabinet. The fly. He was like, fuck that. All right, guys. So let's get to the nitty gritty here. Today we're doing Mulholland Falls. Uh, Lee Tamahori's American debut. You don't have to sigh when you say it. I'm not sighing. I'm not sighing. Um, 1996 offering. Mm. So let's talk about it. First time for anybody? I think it was my what? first time all the way through this film. Yes. I turned it off back in 97 when I saw it in video, I think. <laughs> So, so full transparency, when Nick uh, text messaged me, Justin, he goes, we're going to watch Mulholland Fox, uh, F-A-L-K-S. And so I just, I'm, you know, going fast on my text, mm-hmm. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm all in. I had it in my head we were doing Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. which I had never seen. I was like, finally, I'm going to get a chance to see Mulholland Drive. And then I was at his house yesterday, kept talking about Jennifer Conley. And I was like, I didn't realize Jennifer Conley was in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> and then I get home this morning, was very disappointed to learn that it was indeed Mulholland Falls, which I had not seen. And mm-hmm. understandably so. Now that said, we can get into it. Yeah. Well, the funny um, thing is, is I'm I'm a not non fan of Mulholland Drive, big time. Are you? And, Never seen and, it. Yeah. And, but I know a lot of people are really passionate about that movie, and so I've mm-hmm. revisited it more than once, hoping mm-hmm. to see what other people saw in it. And I I think what it is is I'm not intelligent enough. Well, this, no, I think it may be you're just not. Are you a fan it. of other David Lynch films, or do you like? Do of you course. take Blue Velvet was a transcendent yeah. movie for me when it came out, and I love I love Elephant Man. I love uh, uh, definitely love Wild at Heart. I love the Twin Peaks. Everything he's done with Twin Peaks. Yeah, okay, except for the movie. So you're in. I, I think that movie. I like that movie, but I haven't seen it for a while. I know it had a little bit of a problematic. Uh, journey to, to movie screens because it was a t- shot as a tv pilot that's correct right so yeah. but you know that's where naomi watts like kind of became a big star from that movie you know that's the movie that people remember when you say mahalan they don't remember mahalan falls that much until this right. podcast brings until it back the, out where we, but where the, we bring but it back to thing, life the thing is a lot of the people that were recommending that movie are total creepers and they just liked sex and tits like Which they were like because naomi watts and the uh, what's the other girl's name Delicious Curves, or whatever her name is. What's her name? <laughs> the foreign lady. She's still acting. I don't, I don't remember her name as much. Yeah. Yeah. So they they were naked up. as nuts in this movie, and they, they had were. yeah they had some like one on one time, and um, it's the opposite of the straight story. Well, if you if you got the recommendation wrong and accidentally ever someone recommended Mulholland Drive and you rented Mulholland Falls, your nudity. Uh, You're still Absolutely, the nudity. The nudity quota would still be met for sure. Yeah, exactly. So what um, was interesting to me is reading some of the reviews about Mulholland Falls, seeing how pervy a lot of, you know, 
uh, film critics used to be back in those days because they would talk about Jennifer Connelly's performance as if it was this transcendent, haunting, on-screen <laughs> presence. I was like, she was naked, and that was about it. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was it. Yep. I mean, there was that flashback moment. I mean, and she's a gorgeous, and she's a great actress, by the way, too. But, uh, uh, you yeah, know, it, I mean, pretty much naked right. the whole time. I read a couple just quick reviews where they would talk about how, like, they would say how visually magnific- magnificent she is in this, which That's is a so weird, <laughs> which, I mean, it's not untrue. It's just a weird thing to say in a review, you know? Oh, yeah. By the way, what did you think of the movie? Well, Connolly's visually magnificent in it. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, she had great tits. Yeah, I, 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 came, I came when I, I was watching it. I, I sort of like Chaz. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> no. Um, uh, you know, here's the thing. The pedigree of this film is insane. Mm-hmm. Sally Mankey edited it. Richard Silbert did the production design, and Haxel Wexler did the deep. He was a DP on this thing. Right. Yep. Now, if you were to just see uh, the like those names on a credit, you're thinking this is a prestige film. This is a timeless film, uh, and a masterpiece director did it. And then, the, and then, the, and then, Lee Tamahori's name comes up. <laughs> well, I, originally, I, I read. That really Scott was circling this one for a long time, right? Yeah. Is that is that I read that on IMDb or something? I, I well, saw yeah. that too. I saw that too, and it makes sense. I mean, what I would say. So I was trying to find anything I could on this movie to to zoom in, and it was very hard. Apparently, nobody's interested in Lee Tamahori's career, so there's not a lot out there except for something we'll touch on later. But I did listen to an interview that he did about a more recent film. And he just said after that once were warriors that basically Hollywood just said, just choose whatever project you want. Actors were dying to work with them. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it was maybe because I, by the way, his next movie, the edge is still one of my, you know, I'd say my favorites. It's just up there. It's just a Great fun, movie. rewatchable we did that, we movie. Did that, yeah. On here. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it, you know, in his command of, you know, kind of the the direction of the edge is just so much further along than Mulholland Drive, and it frankly came out just a year later. Um, the edge has the edge has an upper hand on this movie is that it has a better script. I mean, it's written David by David Mamet script. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this but one's even, written by the this guy. This one, movie's written by the guy who wrote Michael, the John Travolta's Angel movie. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> I do, but I, I I wish I didn't know that trivia or that yeah, movie. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, you like Michael, right? That's one of your faves. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the name. <laughs> um, so, I remember he danced a lot in that movie, right? He's like a yeah, dancing that angel. Was famous. Yeah. yeah, that was. I, don't, I never saw that movie. I don't think. So, so all these movies. So, kind of trivia. Nick and I met back at, in in this era. I was actually working at a video store that he was a customer of, and so you know, I'm thinking about that late '90s period where I kind of know every movie. I didn't watch a lot of them, but because right. they were always coming out, and it was a family-owned video store, so we would we would watch whatever we wanted to watch. So I would just you have remember- movies in the background, you know, on the big screen playing. And say so you're working, so you don't really pay attention. But did Michael he, would be one we would watch, you know, for Michael, whatever right. reason. Well, did Nick, we come in, did, Nick, right? did Nick come in and say his first line to you was like, do you guys have Mulholland Falls? I heard Jennifer Connelly is visually magnificent. In this. <laughs> no, what I do is I'd walk into video stores and, and mention Chud.com, and if they didn't recognize it, it'd storm out. That's very true. That's exactly what happened. And actually, <laughs> I, knew it, I knew it, so he gave me a job writing for it. That's right. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Let's 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 start doing this fucking movie some service. Just we I want to say real quick before this is. Our, our, by the way, we're doing another movie with cops in it. I noticed <laughs> another movie that ends in a graveyard. 
what is going on, you know? And then third, Dave Franco's got his directorial debut out right now. Why are we doing this? That's you know true. what I'm saying? Well, not only that, there's another there's another interesting thing. Yeah. We've done more Lee Tamahori films than John Carpenter films, David Wood <laughs> films, Martin Scorsese films. That is I that is the, that is the legacy of this podcast. We have it's uh you know a lot of guys uh, like to uh like have a vast you know like the, the sky's the limit. <laughs> we have a I, I've built a very small box for us to live inside. <laughs> Should we should we do next next and then we'll really wrap up his uh, filmography and then I'll kill myself on camera. Is this, is this our first Nick Nolte movie? Is it? I don't think it can't be. It can't be. You know what Nick Nolte movie I'd love to do a movie microscope on is Cape Fear. I fucking we, we, love we that it. movie. We did Cape Fear. Yeah, we did. They, oh wait, was I on it? Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's how memorable this show is. <laughs> We could uh, we could redo it because maybe we didn't so, zoom hard enough. John, I was you know? really hoping you were going to say Night Watch. That's where I really <laughs> hope you're going because that yeah. is still our brand. Yeah, so okay, yeah. here's what I love. Okay, we instantly get to see John Malkovich eating ass in this movie. Yeah, Con- for sure. Talk about Connolly already. She Connolly gets naked in the during the credits, which is that is a doesn't happen very often in films. I and mean, then, I wrote down. I really don't need a John Malkovich sex scene in the credit sequence of a movie like or that any was a part of a movie <laughs> um, it was a little little disconcerting at 9 30 on a sunday morning let's just put it that way but uh the another thing that happens during the credits that i love is there's there's a footage of like a nuclear blast nuclear blast like the cloud the mushroom cloud or whatever yeah or, and they put <laughs> that's when they introduced chaz palmentary's credits <laughs> <laughs> over that footage See, I thought um, I think I thought they were indicating that was Malkovich's O face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does say she showed me pleasures. What did he, he says? Some weird thing about yeah, her. He yeah. really does. He really does. But anyway, so yeah, let's talk about the cast. Let's talk a little bit about what's what's happening, the setup of this this film. Well, okay. Why don't you go ahead? I didn't watch it yet. So, so I'll, I'll do it. So basically, it's a, it's Chinatown light, but in the atomic age, kind of the gangster squad, those four LAPD cops that would run around, um, you know, breaking the law, um, you know, disregarding the Constitution, mm-hmm. which apparently mm-hmm. back not too long ago, we used to celebrate. Now we hate it, which I would agree is the right stance. Um, but what was so interesting to me is that by having John Malkovich in that sex scene in the beginning, like, oh, so obviously he's basically, you know, responsible for whatever bad shit happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very telegraphed. That was the thing that was so interesting to me. There was like zero mystery in the central mystery. But I, actually, I like I like Malkovich's last scene a lot. I thought that was atypical how they handled that at the end with him. Sure, sure. I, I, and I would agree. And, and, and ultimately, he's not, I guess, really the main, main bad guy, but he's not a great guy. No. Um, but yeah, so it's the it's the gangster squad basically, and Nick Nolte is, um, you know, they discover this woman looks like she might have been run over with a steamroller, um, but you know she wasn't quite damaged enough, and so they flip her over after. My favorite part is they lift up her arm; and it's just like that, a sack that's of skin. That's, that, that, that is the the moment that still sticks with me. I mean, that's what I, I remembered from this movie too is that that moment. In I, fact, I had it even grosser in my mind, so it's not as bad. Well, no, but that's that's you're right. But then that autopsy scene is gross as fuck. Yes, yeah. 
Now, my favorite part about the autopsy scene is that I'm meant to believe that Chris Penn is, is you know, some dipshit detective, right? Like, if you watch the movie, he barely has anything to say other than little one-liners. But he detects mm-hmm. this tiny, tiny piece of glass in, like, the healer report. He's like, hey, Doc, do you see this? Tarantino would have found it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love um, it that you said that this is a group of four guys who run around, and then and then they cast Chaz Palminteri, Mike Madsen, Nick Nolte, and Chris Penn. Running uh, has never happened with these individuals. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they're what the, I would say, you, though, is those four guys, I mean, in that period, 1996, like, that, this movie could have been fucking incredible. And there's even these little jokes, and, like, it was just, to me, it really was an issue. I blame Lee Tomahori for it. The directing was terrible. The script wasn't great, but there's a reason why I think Ridley Scott was attracted to it. Um, it could have been... I think so different. I really think it could have been special. What was interesting is Nick and I were talking about this movie yesterday before I watched it and had mentioned LA confidential LA confidential came out the year after this movie. And so it's sort of interesting to me, light years of growth. (laughs) But I mean, to me, it's so fascinating. Like I think what happened here is also a very good writer, also a very good writer responsible for LA confidential though. You know, well, for sure. But I think it's like that idea that I think James Elroy, like LA confidential was a huge book. Right. And I suspect there was probably, and I, I was trying to figure out and do some research to see if I could find anything like in Hollywood reporter. And I just couldn't find anything on it, but, but it probably was a result of, uh, well, in my mind, it was sort of, yeah, exactly. A result of, a bidding war for the book rights to LA Confidential and some studio didn't get it and it kind of feels like they're like, hey, let's rush a film noir out. And I, okay. I could be wrong, but that's what it felt like because you know what, obviously I, LA Confidential was in production while this movie was. It just came out like seven months later. Um, but anyway, I, I do think it had to do with James Elroy being such a massive writer at that time. Um, that's, let's you back, know, yeah, it's like the volcano up. Dante's peak of uh, L.A. film. Although I, I think this movie has aged rather well. I mean, I think there's a, it's not nearly what I remember it being. I, and obviously, you guys weren't blown away by it, but I, I found it to be way more watchable than I remember it being. So let's back up just a second. The The premise is that. Nick Nolte is the leader of this, like John said, a, a group of of kind of renegade police that like have a, a, the Hat Squad. Is that what they're yeah. Nick, what you call yeah, them? Yeah, the Hat Squad. Yeah, the yeah. Gangster Squad. They're kind of like they're kind of aggressively kind of you know pushing, making sure crime doesn't happen before it happens. So they're pushing like uh, at the beginning of the movie. Um, one of our favorites is in it, kind of a cameo, William Peterson and. <laughs> And he gets he's rolled down a really steep, steep so hill. Good. <laughs> he's like a transplant from Chicago, and he's got some mob ties. And you know, no, they they rough him up, and so they're they're kind of proactively taking care of crime in in in, in L.A. And so, you know, pretty soon they happen upon, like you said, this woman that looks steamrolled. They roll her over, and Nick Nolte knows her. Like his his character has he he's had he has a relation he's had a relationship with her. And so the the really the movie is trying to solve the mystery behind her death like who killed her and how did she die really and that's yeah. really the, what's interesting you, we bring up la confidential we bring up um chinatown this movie really focuses on nolte's relationship with women and the other stuff like the plot kind of takes a back seat to it well, I think. if john's idea is accurate then they probably read black dahlia as well and, and threw a little bit of that in there too I, I, yeah that's yeah. what in fact that's what it when I, I think before I saw it, I, I think I was thinking it was uh, it was along those lines of a murder like that, like the Black Dahlia murder. 
Um, anyway, but that that it's very focused on his relationship, Nolte's relationship with his wife, and then Nolte's past relationship with Jennifer Connelly, who's the victim, um, the yeah. flat victim on this. Yeah. And what well, what was her name? Allison Pond. What a great name. <laughs> right, it's a good name. And she was a puddle anyway. at that point, so. <laughs> Um, well, what I was saying is, is that I love the William Peterson cameo. That whole scene is funny to me because it's kind of that like sort of cliche, like gangsters in a kind of a social club restaurant and they're all uncredited, right? It's William Peterson, Rob Lowe. I wrote down, it's also the dude, uh, what's his name? Michael, uh, Kostroff. He's like a kind of a character actor, but he was, he's in all the David Simon stuff. He was great in the wire. He was the cop. I mean, I'm sorry, the attorney for all the gangsters oh, in the wire. Right, yeah. yep. but like, he, I'm pretty sure he's getting strangled in that scene, but they like that's it. But <laughs> it's this idea. It's like you're Bill Peterson and your uh, you know, agent calls you up. It's like, hey, Bill, we need you to do a cameo in this movie. Um, basically, we're going to roll you down a really steep hill. That's the basic premise. You ready for that? And he's all in. But that part, that movie, I actually, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I can get behind this had nothing to do with anything else. It was just setting the stage for these four guys. And so I think that's what I'm talking about here, where it's like Lee Tom Mahori just wasn't an experienced enough director at that time. And time told that he wasn't a great director in general to handle this material. And I really wonder, because there was some scenes later on where there's like little banter in the car and it's kind of funny, but it's just so Mm -hmm. flat and stilted. That's what I really struggle with. And Nick, to your point, like, I don't think it was a terrible movie. One of the worst thing I ever saw. It's almost just like an unfortunate movie. Like, I really feel like it could. I mean, the cast is incredible. Yeah, let's, talk, let's talk about the cast. So we, we kind of sort of talked about them. But Nick Nolte is leading it. You got Melanie Griffith. But who else is in this? Like Jennifer Connelly we talked about. John Malkovich, Kyle Chandler. Yeah. Um, Treat Williams. Palmentary, Treat Williams. Um, yeah. I mean, Michael almost Matthews. every. Chris Penn, you mentioned Mike, them, but yeah. they, it's got a great cast. I mean, that it really yep. does have a very good cast, yeah. Um, and it's actually neat to see Kyle Chandler in this because he he's a, he's not, he doesn't even have a character and name, I think, in the credits. But like he, you know, he's he, he's he's turning so many good performances. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, him way back when. But in that restaurant it. scene, you know, they're they're you know, sort of the cops walk in, the and you know the. The maitre d is like, give me your hats or whatever. Let me check your hats. And they just walk on by. It's like, sir, your hats, you know, and falls them in. But it was that moment where, you know, they brace William Peterson, who's obviously sh- some Chicago mobster at this point. They, they sort mm-hmm. of comment on that. And then immediately it turns to violence. But I love it when William Peterson's giving Nick Nolte some shit, like the whole restaurant stops and kind of laughs along with him as he's like throwing dollar bills at Nick Nolte and tell him to go have a good time or whatever. Um I don't know. It just, to me, I was watching that movie, and I think the problem I had, Nick, was I literally watched LA Confidential two weeks ago, because um, I think it may also be on HBO Max. And I love that movie. I watch it probably once a year. And it just was like, man, like, it's amazing how same material, uh, similar material, same production design, um, similar caliber of actors. Arguably, they actually had a better cast than. I mean, I mean, I would say Kim Basinger is a much better. There was more you know, known commodities. Guy, nobody knew Guy Pierce or Russell Crowe that much. That's right, and that movie was. fucking crushes. I mean, it is still like you can watch that movie to today. And I'm a huge James Elroy fan. I've read all his books, and they perfectly distilled that movie down from that book into a really just. I mean, we talked a little bit about Curtis Hansen yesterday, Nick. And I mean, that guy, like, what an like odd career, but incredible. And yeah, I mean, Could he had be, some uh, misfires, but 
could be Kevin Spacey's best performance, I think, and I love him in that movie. Even and Cromwell is insanely Cromwell good. Cromwell is amazing too, but it's that movie's loaded with great yeah. performances. But you know what? Um, like, about Cromwell. Let's get so back to this. I know. And, so, and I just got to yeah. say this one thing: Cromwell's so good that I literally read the books from James Elroy where Dudley is like in his twenties, and I still picture James Cromwell just like in my brain because he's so good in that role of Dudley. Um, Did Dudley you? Smith. Uh, did you? What did you think of Ma, uh, Malkovich and boxers and during the credits? Did they? Do you guys have to take a walk after that part or what? That's not my, a sight you get to see very often in film. Not my favorite enough. part was when he took off her 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 like thigh highs, but left her panties on. I'm like, that's Hollywood for you right there. That's, you got that shit backwards, bro. You take the panties and you leave the. Oh, I we forgot to mention Andrew McCarthy, who I love in this movie. Because yeah, he's, he's great. He, He's, he's taking great. some big swings, taking some big swings in this movie, but it, it kind of works, I think. Well, I think um, I think part of it is, you know, he was still sort of relevant, and he's playing against type, and it was yeah. it was just it was nice. He's playing but, a, a be- the best friend of Connolly's character, and he has been secretly, I think, videotaping her, uh, or not videotaping her, uh, filming her having filming sex her. with <laughs> various men. Like, yeah, there's like a, a one way mirror or two way mirror. Or what do they call those? Like a and uh, and he's been filming, and so there's these there's th- that's kind of the whole plot of this, or big part of this movie is there's there's sex tapes floating around. Um, Nick a Nick Nolte sex tape for God's sakes is in this movie, <laughs> a sex sex film I guess. Yeah, you know, let me zo- a little quick zoom. I, th- mm-hmm. I believe the camera he's using in that is a Bolex, which I used to own. That I, I shot my student film on one of those things. So Did I you think- use it for the same purposes? If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no. Did Nick uh, no. Nolte throw yours through a mirror like uh, happened in this movie? No, and, and let me zoom in. It's a two-way mirror because a one-way mirror is much less. Yeah, exciting. I know, I know. That's why I said. That's why I said. I corrected myself. One-way mirror, just a mirror. <laughs> um, it's like a Mitch Hedberg joke waiting to happen. <laughs> what? But yeah, so but that that that's true, right? Like he is. She doesn't know he's taping her. Like she no, doesn't just, know that. He, yeah, because there's that moment where it, it's like midway through the film where Nolte's mm. like trying to figure out why he was filming the stuff. And he was like, I basically wanted to like pretend like I was there or like one of because yeah, his character yeah. is a gay character. Right. And mm. and so I guess he was pretending like he was Jennifer Conley in that scenario was how they were trying to present it. It just it right. didn't make a lot of sense. I right? think he like, wanted to feel close to her. And that was his only way of feeling close to her. Yeah. And then I think he also that there. So what happens is she's dead because of these tapes like there are. Well, they don't really know. No, gravity. Mc- or gravity. <laughs> gravity. Yeah. But they, <laughs> Andrew McCarthy, Nick Nolte does a little digging. He finds uh, Andrew McCarthy hiding on a beach. Uh, just like in the sand, and then he finds and, him hi- even more hiding on the beach. And my favorite part about that scene is yeah. Andrew McCarthy's waving a gun around, and Nick Nolte, who's an LA cop who just you know basically half killed William Peterson just for being alive, <laughs> is just like okay with that. You know, the guy's just right. waving the gun around, and that that's when you find actually, out. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, that's when you I get was, confirmation that Nolte is connected to Connolly in that scene. That they and he knows Andrew McCarthy's character, and uh, there's a there's some. You know, and Andrew McCarthy's scared for his life. He thinks he's next. He knows she's dead, and he thinks they're going to come kill him next. But it didn't really make sense, though, because there was a moment in that that beach scene where Mm -hmm. Nolte says something to McCarthy, and McCarthy says, well, she's dead. And he goes, well, how do you know that? And he goes, well, she didn't call me. And so, like, but how did he know that? Like, right? Like, there was... 
I think that was my issue, Nick, when you mentioned rewatching it now and finding a lot to enjoy. I feel like maybe you saw past some of the plot holes and just enjoyed the I don't, actor. I don't think that's a plot hole. I really don't. I think they don't really... I think there's a lot of focus on the relationship, like I said, Nolte's relationships with these women. But something happened on this army base that McCarthy was videotaping it, or I keep saying videotaping, he's filming it, and you know they found something they weren't supposed to find, and then she disappears. He knows they did something wrong, and he so it, he was with her because there he was, was that footage her, yeah. of the mushroom mm-hmm. cloud, right? That and she mm-hmm. was present watching that. He remember so, he's it, it, the 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 film that plays across the credits that's kind of spliced that has a sex scene in it, but there's a party and then. There's there's shots of the army base and Kyle Chandler like waving off the camera like don't don't film this, and then there's footage of of people wounded wounded people you know like uh, and so yeah. yeah I think that you know the movie obviously says they did something wrong in that base and that's why they're being targeted well yeah the people so but were, in my mind yeah, I, I I assume that Jennifer Connelly had to have brought the camera because why would this general like and let's face it John Malkovich was a general be it's one thing to let your girlfriend come in, which is unbelievable. Sure, sure. Maybe, maybe it was her. I don't bring know. your, you know. Yeah. Well, he was sort of. There, I feel like there was a comment, or and I could be wrong, but I feel like there was a piece of dialogue late in the film where he talked about she was filming and then was turned away. You know, like tear point Kyler Chandler like waves yeah, her yeah, off yeah. or whatever. I just assumed but, he was there because it's because it's like a mixtape of like that weird footage and her having sex. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's very true. I, I think, that is I very think, true. He, I think yeah. he was there. He was there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, pretty generous of that general. You know, he's like, Hey, I'm going to bring my prostitute to see this top secret thing. I don't know. Um, bring your, bring your friend along too. Why not? You know, um, just promise not to tell. Well, um, McCarthy anyway. was the muscle you see, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you know, it's funny. If you ever, if you're ever wondering if this is a uh, truth or fiction, this mm. story, Nick Nolte has sex with Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, and Melanie Griffith, for that matter. That's true. Um, Although she was fucking awful in this movie. Well, she was given. Uh, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna step into Justin's Justin's suit for a minute. She had nothing to do in this movie. <laughs> nothing. Except for except for relax on the couch and read a fa- farewell to arms. Like it's just like some like light reading. Well, so that <laughs> is that a joke, by the way? Because so they find Connolly's body and then they they try to the cop tries to pull her up and her arm goes spaghetti. All her <laughs> the farewell to arms. Yeah, <laughs> and in the next scene, there's a farewell to arms. Is that a joke? Like, is it evil, evil Dead Two does this kind of a similar thing? Yeah, I um, wish I saw. I noticed that, but I think you're onto something. And now I love this movie because I think <laughs> you may be right. <laughs> Maybe Tom Ahari is like doing a little uh, tribute to Evil Dead Two. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I, it, I'm an idiot because there's little tiny things get so much mileage from me that I'll pass a lot of the plot shit just because this little tiny thing about the movie works so well for me. And honestly, well, Nick Nolte's sap. In this movie, so it's so funny. You say, oh my so God. much hate for me in this, dude. Thing. It's so funny because there's two moments. I mentioned the garage scene, and then when they're in the military police, like they're in the car, and he just fucking smashes that guy in the face with the sap. That, that sap I, is I, the I best actor in this movie. Oh, so he beats, da- he beats oh, Daniel Baldwin across a garage. <laughs> so is that you call it a sap? Is that a black? Is another thing? Is it called like a, a blackjack? Black black yeah, yeah a sap, it's sap or a blackjack. Yeah, it's, right. it's basically like a weighted. Like there's like some. Head that thing a piece of leather. so much mileage in this, and it's amazing. But before, so, while you were looking for your notebook, uh, Nick, I was telling Justin that I felt like that garage scene was the only scene in the movie that was really directed with some panache, where it was like, okay, like that, 
if the whole movie had had this kind of energy, but the dialogue was terrible because, you know, uh, Baldwin's walking through and been like, so, you know, then I really got him because, you know, it's like yeah. it's like ex- it's all exposition. But when those guys get their fucking heads broken and then thrown through the window and then he drags Daniel Baldwin out through the. I mean, it's to your point, the sap in and of itself made the movie. Nolte is definitely menacing in this. Like he, you know, he's very, he's, he's very, he's brutal in this. Um, it works, I think. Um, you know, I think it, the movie looks really good. Like it looks fantastic. Um, so do you think but, so? I kind of felt like they just set the camera up in the corner and I let think the it, actors it, talk. It just didn't no, feel like I, a lot to yeah, me. Yeah, I think it feels static a, a lot, but I also think it looks good. Like I think those shots of the desert, like I think there's, you know, and I think the one thing that kind of, surprisingly brings life to this film is Chaz Palminteri. Like, I think his character, I think he's kind of good in this. What do you I, think? I think his, his subplot with the psych psychiatrist is the worst part of the movie. I agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I, I mean, ended up liking his character a lot. And I liked his performance a lot for some reason. I, I know he's, I think a lot of the relationship stuff with the hat squad kind of rings false. But he plays a goofy character, and by the end of it, it kind of worked for me. I think um, they chose the wrong. Com- I, th- I think Madsen should have been the sidekick because Madsen. Cool. He looks like that's that's why he should have been the sidekick because he would have helped carry some of that burden. Chaz, like they they first of all they build up this thing about him being like this explosive guy who like ju- has been restrained. And, you know, he's restrained, and so I'm like, okay, I understand. And then when they finally have him kind of break out of that, it's not enough. It's it doesn't. He doesn't come off as a guy who's been holding back some great, like, ability to kick ass or something like that. You're supposed to like this film. I'm supposed to at least get some props for liking Chaz in this, and then you turn it against me. I would say I I wrote down in my notebook, like, it was the idea that his performance was what made me feel like the movie itself. It was like a good film could have been there, but the direction was terrible. And it was because of, to me, the acting was terrible throughout. I mean, even where there were little bright spots at the end of the day, this movie failed because of poor direction and poor acting in my thought, in my mind. And it's that idea like Chaz Palminteri is incredible in movies, but I felt like he was so bad in this that that was really where I felt like, okay, I just, this movie I feel failed. Like the acting, I think that I like the acting's fine. I just think it's the script or that, that actually, I, I think Nolte actually is great in this movie. I, yeah, I at the first, the first quarter of the movie, I was like, Oh God, he's just, you know, cause he grunts, you know, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. But as the movie kind of wore on, I actually fell in love with him as I think, I think he did a much better job than, uh, he gets credit for. I gotta say, same, but like for Chaz, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jennifer Connelly is radiant, by the way. So, oh, yeah. is she? Yeah, and um, she doesn't get many lines either. She gets a flashback scene with Nolte when they first meet. When Nick Nolte's killing, Ty- I guess he kills Titus Wolliver in front of her. Is that what happens? Does he oh, kill yeah, definitely him? straight up killed him? Yeah. I have to is- look it up, but yeah. <laughs> he does. It was heroin, but yeah. N- yeah, Nilty uh, happens upon a, uh, a a volatile Titus Wolliver, Wolliver uh, trying to, um, I guess, rape a young woman, and Jennifer Connelly stand between them, and then Nilty takes over and murders him. <laughs> he comes into the room <laughs> and decides to kill him, and then that sparks the loins of both of them. I, I that, that's that's the saddest thing is that this poor girl is obviously super damaged, and she falls for him based simply on that. But then, do you think he has to kill him, Titus Wolliver, every time he wants to have sex with her? Do you think that has to happen? Does he drag around that body like Bernie? Weekend at Bernie's or something? Like a, <laughs> Andrew I mean, McCarthy reference. I like it. 
I like the fact that we, we've accidented onto Titus Welliver twice in a row, basically. Yeah, he's in this and Mobsters. I guess he had a certain look that they liked for, like, gangster movies. Yeah. Like, this guy looks like a 1950s uh, uh, hooligan. Let's also, Nurse, Ra- Nurse Ratchet shows up in this. Louise Fletcher. Right. Yeah, she, yeah, she... Is she Esther? She's the, their, their secretary. Yeah, that, that's my favorite part, because that, that scene where she's just in there... And she's not saying anything. And Chaz Palminteri says, I can't get my finger in here. It's too small. She goes, try your dick. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. I mean, that was a laugh out loud moment for me. Because well, no, like, she didn't say anything before that. She's like, try your dick. Well, well then the they, watch, is, they proceed to watch the sex tape, right? That, that well, she, they kick her out of the room. room. No, the no, no. Is, she's there throughout it. He rips out, he rips out the, uh, the the power plug. And like Chaz and, and Nurse Ratchet are pissed. They're like, uh, whoa. That's right. we're, the we're about is, fucking- by the way, that lady's got an Oscar. Yeah, and, well, and she has like two lines in this movie from so, this. From this, she got she won it for this. <laughs> well, she got that she got that Herschel Wexler uh, endorsement because he uh, shot uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Wow! Uh, oh, she got. What it do for you guys that. think? Uh, I thought she got it for uh, flowers in the attic. I'm sorry. What do you guys think the hat <laughs> the hat budget on this was? This movie, I couldn't find. I think it was kind of low because when he flipped the uh, when Nick Nolte whipped his hat at Chaz Palminteri in that one scene, he <laughs> like literally took t- like two minutes to reform the hat for him before he gave it back. He's I like, the, the hats weren't low. The hats were very tall in this. They have some tall hats. Did you think super zoom? Were you surprised when Nick Nolte took his hat off and there was a little smaller hat underneath? <laughs> Did that throw you guys off? Or okay, I have to. I have to admit, I thought a lot about hats during this movie because I, I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with the idea that there was this 30-year period, 40-year period where, like, you had to wear a hat as a man. And to the point where the, the, the maitre d' at the restaurant in the opening scene was, like, scandalized that they weren't taking their hats off before coming in. Yeah. And I just, like, I love the hat culture. Like, you know what, what a I weird love? time. It, it's a shame that the Oscar didn't expand before this Best movie hats. came out. No, because there there was an award that they have now that would have been this movie would have been the instigator for it. Uh, film most likely to make you crave a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of hot dog eating in this movie. Yeah, it's yeah, not just talk- one scene. There's like three different hot dog scenes in this movie. I thought it was a prequel to Sleepers for a minute. A lot of cigarette smoking too. Hot in, dogs and cigarettes. In bed, and Nick Nolte flicks his cigarette across the police station in one scene. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part going back is, you know, Melanie Griffith basically only smoked cigarettes in this movie. That was her main part was just to smoke cigarettes. But she's sitting there reading Farewell to Arms and Nick Nolte comes in just stumbling over drunk, barely getting the door, like nearly knocks a chair over, trying to sit down and just, I mean, blackout drunk. Right. Obviously drove home, which I think is funny, too. He's in mourning because his 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 his, uh, his side piece uh, was uh, flattened. And mm-hmm. the first thing they think to do, the screen, screen, whoever wrote the screenplay sat down and said, you know what? I think now's a good time for me to take a shit on Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> Just basically <laughs> the guy that wrote Michael. Out, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let I, me I, I, out Ernest Hemingway. Let me take some time in this movie to fucking shit on Ernest Hemingway. The balls. It's unbelievable. I want to, I want to, um, I want to be, uh, be a fly on the wall in the set of this movie. The, you know, Tomahori's sitting there and Nolte's going, rah, 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 <laughs> walking, you know, bouncing off of things. <laughs> And uh, he's like, this isn't the drunk scene. And, and then Nolte's agent says, no, that's him all the time. That's how he acts. <laughs> so so this, for this the drunk scene, he had to go fucking nuts because base, like the, the baseline Nolte is trashed, you know? So you have to just really <laughs> so, uh, death. You know, Nolte starts to kind of investigate without the hat squad, kind of on his own. He goes to 
Connolly's apartment that he has frequented to kind of dig around and her apartment's been tossed. It's been, it's a wreck. Like, uh, obviously, uh, the people that killed her probably were looking for something. And then he lays down in her bed and sniffs her clothes. He sniffs his way into a sex memory. What yeah. did you guys think about that? <laughs> I mean, who amongst us can't, uh, you know, <laughs> hasn't uh, sniffed some, uh, clothes. So, yeah. I mean, come on. Um, and then he realizes that you know his 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 squad does show up, and then he goes next door and he realizes that he was video he was taped he was taped his sex his sex was taped that there is a sex film of him circulating around L.A. And I, um, I would have to assume that the angle of the John Malkovich footage made him realize that he may have also been filmed, but yeah. there's nothing oh, yeah. in the film that would have suggested that, right? Like. And that's kind of the, the the thing that I struggle with is that they kind of lucked into these clues, at least the way it was presented. Because once again, like for a guy that had also slept with this woman in, in that same room, you would have thought at some point there would have been something that would have said, like, I got to get over there, figure out what's happening. But anyway, yeah, it's just it's a very clunky script. I think that's the main issue here more than anything else. Um, they, you know, um, the, the kind of where they're driving because, you know, you mentioned the hat squad, right? So they're driving to her apartment. To, 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 to do that, right, to, to, to search and figure out what happened. And they're driving, and then Chaz Palminteri sits in the back, he's like, hey, why do you always drive, Nick Nolte? And they, like, <laughs> for no reason have this scene where Chaz Palminteri sucks at driving. It's not, it's and not just, for like, no reason. I mean, that's the, that's the famous often acted out in acting classes. Why does he have always have the keys? Yeah, why, does, right. why does he always drive scene that I think um, – Anyway, so they I guess the squad is there and they and they realize that there's a uh, Yeah, they're, they're all with him, but they, he he says, Hang back, I'm gonna go check this out or whatever. I'm gonna go talk and, to the manager and get into a room. And I think one of them was <laughs> like, Do you think you were taped? Do you think you you were filmed having sex with her? Uh, and and Nolte says yes. And then I think Madsen has his best moment. His character doesn't vomit. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. I'm, I, I uh, and then, no, and then Chaz has a heart to heart, and he says, "You know, do you does your wife know that you were having sex with this uh, this now dead uh, beautiful woman?" And Nolte has this whole rambling thing where he said it would be cruel to tell her, It'd be cruel to t- it's a cruelty to tell your wife that you cheated on, which I, like I think is that, a very long explanation for bullshit. But, but <laughs> I like the way he thinks. Though. I, I wrote that one down. I was like, "That's a good excuse." I'm going to mention that next. Time. Yeah, it's like I didn't want to tell next you. Time, I huh? decided it hurt your feelings too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, let's let, let's uh, another great actor who appears in this film for a tremendous amount of time. Ed Lauder. Mm-hmm. Great actor. Does he have more than two seconds of screen time? So he appears. Uh, he's cooking chili. He appears with a pot of chili and he gets, he gets shot right in the breath. chili. He literally <laughs> got shot in the chili. The chili explodes no. all over. <laughs> and then, uh, so and then later, gonna... the corner like is is a uh, is is trying to figure out how he died and he's he's licking his fingers he's like this isn't blood mm, actually that's cu- oh that tastes like cumin oh must yeah. be chili um so that scene cracked me up too because okay so you know backing up there not it's basically chris penn and, so chris penn and michael madsen take um you know the andrew, the, McCarthy's the, character, andrew yep. mccarthy they call the fruit they take him home or whatever and there's a couple moments so they're sitting around the dinner table yeah, they have him at a safe house. They have him at a safe house. They're, no, that's that's Andrew McCarthy's beach house. It's the beach house that uh, Nick Nolte 
met them at. Oh, I thought. I th- are you sure? I think it's a safe house. No, I think no, no. Right it's, it's it's absolutely Andrew McCarthy's well, beach house. Judging by the scene, the- it's not a safe house. No, 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 it's definitely not. Well, first of all, I don't know. The reason I know that is because there were two things and I'm being honest. So no, absolutely. He does because there's a line of dialogue I'm about to mention that killed me. But (laughs) the first thing I noticed was it was two beach houses with a lot of beach on either side. I'm like, they must've filmed this in new England or something. So I looked it up. No, it was actually California. Um, But I just thought it was unusual. Like in 1996, there would not be a lot of raw land left in, you know, near the beach in, in Southern California. Anyway, point is, is Michael Madsen sitting down, Chris Penn and Andrew McCarthy, and, and Michael Madsen goes, I never could understand anybody want to live at the beach. All these waves crashing and flopping around all the time. And I thought to myself, that's something I would say. <laughs> that's the kind of bullshit I would fucking say, crashing and flopping around. But no, that it is- was definitely Andrew McCarthy's because he says something like, oh, I find it very relaxing. And they're like, I like the sound of traffic. So that was Andrew oh, he, McCarthy's no, he, he says, beach house. Yeah, McCarthy. McCarthy says that most people do find it calming, which I think and is it, true. And it was the same. It was the yeah. same place early in the movie when Nick Nolte met with him after you know right. Andrew McCarthy let him know the film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's sounds, that sounds like somebody. That sounds like something somebody would say who couldn't afford a beach house. Well, they would. Uh, and by the way, he's living in a tenement apartment basically. Yet he has this beach house. But at the same time, my favorite part was after all the shootout starts, right? Like heavy machine gun fire. They're stuck mm-hmm. behind this table. And Andrew McCarthy dips out just as, you know, uh, Chris Penn and Michael Madsen are, are returning fire. And Chris Penn goes, where'd he go? And so Michael Madsen literally yells his name out one time. And he's like, I don't know. I guess he's gone. And when <laughs> they, they find him dead in fire. his front yard, like they find him tortured and dead. Like, uh, right don't they find him right? By, they the find him by day. the water, don't they? Yeah, they I know, but, the but if I say front yard, because when they walk, I, I actually rewound this because I was like, wait a minute. When they walk and they're investigating the next day, they're standing what I would say would the, be the backside of the house, like facing the ocean. But that's where all the gunfire, like all, you see all these bullet holes in the exterior. And then they walk 100 feet over and there's Andrew McCarthy's dead corpse in the water. Like, some detectives you guys are. It's like, yeah, where is it? I don't know. Fuck it. Let's just go home. I thought it was – I'm going to go back. I think it's kind of cute that they were on like kind of a – like an assignment to protect this guy, and one of the cops like is like, "I'm gonna make some fucking chili." Like, I'm, you know what? Let's cook up some chili. Like, we, hey, we can get pizza, we can order out or get takeout. They're like, "I got, no, chi- I got all the ingredients I need for chili right here." Let's, you let's know? swing by Ralph's on the way out and just make sure we get all the, you know, some uh, beans, some kidney beans, some carne on the uh, on the Blu-ray was, for yeah. this movie. The chapter stop says chili. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have the recipe on the on the Blu-ray? Did, did they have the recipe for the chili? <laughs> That'd be great. By the way, okay, so um, I, I want to get let's let me let's keep this thing moving along. We're an, almost an hour in. Um, this movie owes a there's a the Marvel Universe owes a great debt to this film mm-hmm. because this film features three ingredients that Marvel totally ripped off. It had Nick Nolte. Jennifer Connelly and gamma rays. <laughs> and what and Angley saw that, saw this movie and said, I have an idea for Hulk. There you go. He brought all three of those components and made magic. That's right. You're right. So this is actually the- extended universe, if you if you really want to zoom in. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. And yeah, it is that's what they pull out of her foot. They pull out like a 
what are, what do they call it? a gamma something? It's like a gamma crystal or gamma ray. And right. it's a it's a clue that you know what you saw at the beginning of the movie. Um, you know, once again, Matter. when I said telegraphed, it's like it's pretty obvious right from the first few minutes. Like, okay, John Malkovich has something to do with this, and it probably has something to do with the military and nuclear weapons or whatever. So they Where, have, uh, they have they have photographs of or X rays of Jennifer Connelly's heels. Uh, up, up, and they and then the guy in the corner, huh? It's my new wallpaper. <laughs> in the corner, the, <laughs> guys, you notice something, and there is a, and I think someone says, "Well, this one has a heel, and this one doesn't," and that's where it, because she had this little crystal on her heel, it fucked up the X-ray, and so. But I thought it was kind of cute that he was playing a little game with them. Can you tell the difference? Like, put these feet side by side, and then I think Chaz says. Well, this one has a heel. It was either it was either the radiation or the fact every bone was crushed to a bloody pulp. How do you X-ray a fucking bag of a bag of shit? I mean, um, there's a so they go out they start to investigate this military base that's that's a you know obviously has something to do with what's going on here and they they all four of them drive you know Nick Nolte drives their car to this base and they get turned away at the gates right. Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys notice? I don't. This must be something that is back then. But the car has a pouch hanging off its hood ornament right up front. Did you? Did you guys see this? I didn't. I noticed the little four things on the side. Apparently, that's some, some sort of Buick that was very Road famous. Master. Beautiful yeah, car. Yeah. It right. was, but yeah, I didn't notice the pouch. No. What do yeah, you think yeah, was in there? I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you guys because you know what, that's exactly what you want to get uh, texted to you. Um, <laughs> but it's like a purse hanging off this car. What do you think Nolte kept in there? That's what I'm wondering. Is it well, is that do well, people the, keep shit in? Well, in no, their you, you know, like people name cars girl after girls. That's why it had that. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like a pussy pouch. Do you have? Is that going to find its way onto Twitter? <laughs> I guess I'm just maybe that's that's got to be something that that like somebody got worried about that's of the era that I couldn't zoom in hard enough. I, I, I'll Google why do cars have a purse real quick. <laughs> so, so here's my Way favorite part. There. So to your point, they drive out to this military base. They're turned around. MP says, hey, look, you know, no civilians allowed in. Don't care for LAPD or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Nolte leaves and they're getting him some shit. They're like, gee, I thought you'd, you know, press them harder or whatever. So he, he just drives around, I guess, to some other gate. Right. You know, right. and they decide to break in. So in my mind, I'm sitting here going, like, if you're LAPD and you're breaking into this nuclear facility, I mean, obviously bad things are going to happen. But anyway, so they, they shoot the lock. You know, they're trying to pick it, right? But Nolte doesn't have time for that shit, so he just shoots it. So they drive up. They see this massive hole, right? Like, you it's know, a it's obviously – it is a great shot, but my favorite scene is they pull up and, and what does Michael Madsen say? Jeez, what a big hole. <laughs> they use I mean, it's it. Like, that was 80 from the from the sex tape scene. Yeah, geez, what a big hole. <laughs> and then and then um, you know, of course they get arrested and then fucking Treat Williams shows up. So that's an know. adorable uh, that's an adorable scene where they break in. I love it. Adorable. Yeah, you Mike Madison fails at picking a lock. It's so cute to watch. <laughs> Jeez, what a big hole. But they uh but yeah, so Treat Williams shows up, arrests them, and then tries to arrest them, but then he gets a call and he wants to take Nick he he's ordered to take Nick Nolte to meet for the first time the star of the initial sex tape, John, John Malkovich. Malkovich. We, for, we didn't mention Bruce Dern, who was old even then in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of the he's kind of their captain. The yeah. He has one scene in this, or maybe two. Yeah. All right. So like talk about Mr. Malk. 
No, so then they, you know, Nolte and Malkovich, they he starts talking, you know, they basically starts asking him about Jennifer Connelly's character. And then, you know, and that's kind of what that scene is. And, you know, Nolte leaves unsatisfied. But that's that, that's kind of where Malkovich first enters the film. And you said you liked his his performance in this, Nick? Well, at the end, I like the fact that they took who you think is the big bad and, mm-hmm. the, and he's been riddled with cancer and he's resigned to his fate and he's sort of owning what they did. And he does, yeah, and, he, and he tells the other guys to leave him alone. Basically, like he's over it. Of course, they don't listen to him. But I, I just thought it was nice because that is an atypical way for something like that to usually find its, you know, to end. And, and I agree. And I and I and I and you know that was a bright spot. I guess for me, what I think about is that this is a real thing, right? Like, so when America was doing all these, you know, nuclear experiments. It was almost a forced hand situation because Russia and, you know, bad actors were obviously doing it. And so, I mean, I'm talking about real history here. First time isn't that bad in this. <laughs> well, it was, that idea, it was that idea that like even, you know, because they talk about Albert Einstein or whatever, you know, but it was this thing of like, you know, we have to do it right. Like, unfortunately, bad actors are doing it. We're good. So we need to do this stuff. So in real history, there were a lot of military people that were involved in these experiments that died horrible deaths of radiation or suffered with cancer through their lives. And it wasn't until about the time this movie came out that they were actually able, it was like there was some act that was passed where it was declassified. So these folks were not even able to get um, any sort of uh, veterans administration benefits and all this stuff. And so I think about the weight of that and how this movie treated it as like almost like a goofy little plot twist or whatever. And I think that that's why I struggle with it. It's like this could have been a really like deep, dark, good movie. And it just it just fell flat. I feel like because it of the writing, it doesn't spend a lot of time on that. On that piece. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, just yeah. doesn't. It's really more concerned with Nolte getting uh, to the bottom of Connolly's death. So and, Nick's point, wife. and I think mm-hmm. that's why to Nick's point, why that John Malkovich scene resonated, because it was the one moment where they're like, OK, they're kind of acknowledging all this stuff. And it was just like, all right, whatever, let's throw them out of the plane. Move on. It, it's um, another case of a film not knowing what its tone is. It, it doesn't right. know if it wants to be like an Untouchables or like a Chinatown. And so well, it, it, it was interesting between. So I- so I found so I was Google searching around and I found Roger Ebert's review of this movie and he liked it. He was a fan, but he was almost talking about it as if it was almost like in on the joke, like almost a satire. And I'm like, I didn't get that at all. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. find that there was any part of this that I don't think there was anybody making this movie that thought they were like in on the joke. I think that, you know, that's a very generous you know, I wonder interpretation if, I wonder if of the film. more of that stuff in the film and then it just wasn't working. And so they just made and it. Editing. Yeah. 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 Cause he talked about scenes where they're smoking and they're like, they're like, Oh, the scene is about the scene or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't get that at all. Man. It definitely like, doesn't. It definitely is not a satire on that stuff for no. making. Well, not let's, making let's not forget. He's a total perv. So he's probably right. trying to, trying to explain away. Yeah. Taking a look at them heaters. <laughs> I was going to say that, Nick. I mean, he did have, he did tend to give good reviews to films with, with naked ladies in them. I think, like uh, he he loved, and or uh, he had a thing for um, uh, Black Jay- No, yeah, Jay- he, well, I, yeah, he was married to a. Um, he actually married to someone named Chaz, I think, is his wife. But <laughs> believe it or not, I'm not joking. Um, but uh, he he loved J Lo. Like he gave like he gave Angel Eyes like a rave. You know what I'm saying? Like. He, <laughs> He was into so he's he into Michael then. 
Was she in Michael? No, but he had angel eyes. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder who the female, I wonder who the love interest of Michael is. You know, there was one. Michael is. Wonder I think it was Andy McDowell. Oops. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was her. I think you might be right. Oh my God, John. Nice pull. Well, you um, know, yeah, you I, motherfucker. Her name was Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know about his wife. His wife's actually really interesting, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, well, she does. That's I, what everybody the, says. No, but she does the. She, she was in that documentary, obviously about him, and then she ran that film festival. I think when he was sick, and then we died. I don't know. She's she's interesting. Anyway, all right. So, what is what is Malkovich's character? What's his role in all this? Like he's kind of he's a, he's a, he's a general in the military. But mm-hmm. and and by the way, Michael came out the same year of this movie, so that was a big year for that screenwriter. Um, but yeah, so he's the general, but he is also a nuclear physicist. So he was right. the general overseeing the entire United States nuclear program. Right. So, and, and they're trying to, it c- turns out that they're trying to protect him against the blowback of, uh, you know, what hit these experiments or these tests are doing to soldiers. Or that's to, right. Yep. The radiation poisoning, cancer. That's what, that's right. what it turns out that Connolly happened upon. And that's why they, they had to throw out of a plane. Because right. that's exactly how the military would go about it. I find it interesting because you would assume they've got this huge base where civilians aren't able to go. Like, would they just not kill her and bury her there instead of dropping her off in a subdivision, like, you know, out of a plane? Because that's where they found her, right? Because there's that moment oh. where they're like, what is this? So I think it was Chris yeah. Penny goes, what is this? They go, it's, oh, it's a new construction subdivision. <laughs> and they make a joke about living so far away from L.A. or whatever, like it's some big fucking joke, you know? Yeah, they could have buried it in the desert, but they went they went for some panache. They went for some flash. They're like, you know what we could do? Let's just... So Let's obviously, the person that killed her was a little bit of a, of a sadist, Treat, I imagine. Treat Williams. Who is yeah. the killer? Yeah, it's Treat Williams and... From, yeah, and Kyle actually, I, that last that scene in the airplane is actually a lot of fun too, um, because it, it's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. th- there's a, if I, if I could tweak something in this movie, I, there's a lot of things I tweak, but I would actually tweak the time between when when Nolte and, and Chaz realize why they're on the plane, and when the con- and the conflict actually happens, because there's yeah. the, the seeds for a really cool kind of uneasy moments there between those those two groups of people and they rush mm. it and and they could have gotten some really good mileage from that tension sure. with those with because you have four very good actors on this plane you have i mean it's it's a controlled environment which is great for you know cinema and they and they rush it but that would go against tom Mahari's like his motto on set which was no tension he'd had signs <laughs> everywhere Let's keep this nice and light, fellas. Um, so going back to the, so they're at the base, they're meeting with uh, John Malkovich, and mm-hmm. you know, there was this moment, and I, I don't know why, I just found it so funny because they're, you know, Nick Nolte's in there as a detective, so he's questioning the general John Malkovich, and he's saying, okay, so you know, where were you this weekend? He's like, well, I was here on Friday, which presumably is Nevada because that's where they did all the nuclear testing. Goes, her and I were in Lake Tahoe on Saturday. We went up there for the weekend, and then I flew to Washington on Sunday. 
And so as they continue talking, it's also revealed that Jennifer Conley head back to L.A. on Saturday. I was like, did you drive to Nevada to Lake Tahoe for two hours? I mean, I know she was a prostitute. I get, I, you know, and, and well worth it, I suppose. Well, and uh, but it was like and, and Nick Nolte just accepted. goes, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that you would go on a two hour vacation at uh, a friend's, you know, because he talks about a friend of his letting him borrow this expensive place in Lake Tahoe. Well, it was, it was a sex trip with Jennifer Connelly. I wonder what he did with the other hour and 55 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Eight or butt, oh. I guess. You know, <laughs> <never seen. laughs> he doesn't really accept it. He thinks something smells pretty funny. Sort of, but does he? I mean, he just kind of is like, all right, well, I'll be back. I'll be talking to you later. And, then, oh, and I forgot. Go. I forgot this part. He, so he brings the glass, right, the radioactive glass, and he unfolds it from a, like a handkerchief and leaves it on. The, and then he leaves it there. It's like yeah, so it's all his, your it's evidence. Mic, <laughs> it says mic drop. No, it says mic drop that he's saying, I, I know what's up. I Look, I, I've been finding this shit all around the test site. But my know, thought is, oh, so, I know he picked that, murder. so he picked that up off the ground? He picked it up off the sand, yeah, out of the sand. So mm-hmm. I must have missed that part because in my mind, I'm like, you just let the evidence behind. Okay, so that's all. I don't, how, movie I, I don't think I'm you a- missed that part, John. I think that that part was a design for the audience never to fall asleep during. So there's no oh, okay. way okay. you could have. It's so. Anyway, so yeah, so the, the the visits to the base, like we do have a flashback scene here of Nolte breaking up with Jennifer Connelly. I, I have a note for that. Yeah, and um, you have a note for that. Uh, it says uh, science fiction scene involving Nolte breaking up with Connolly. <laughs> I have the same note. <laughs> I said, "Let me. I'm going to get the exactly exactly what I wrote." Um, I said, "Well, first I said breaks up with her, keeps the hat on, which I thought was unnecessary." <laughs> and I said, "Breaks up with her, science fiction." <laughs> <laughs> Um, and my note above that is a key subplot involves Nolte porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wrote about in my notes. And, and, the, Nolte, and the best part about the Nolte porn was, is there was no actual relationship to real sex happening at any point. Like their bodies would have been so far apart from actually being connected. Well, and it's, like a, her- di- it's a close up too. It's like, he's grunting behind her mm-hmm. and it's, so it's, it's just, it's so uncomfortable. And, I mean, granted, it's Nolte. You can't, you can't have non uncomfortable anything. But she was. It looked like she was doing a lot of the work. It looked like Nolte was just kind of surprised that he was in a scene like that in a way. You know, like I guess he was thought at one point as a as a pretty big sex symbol in the seventies. He was. Though, he was right? a gorgeous man yeah. in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I mean, in, like, even in Cape Fear, he's a good. Like it's amazing how a few oh, he's years so hot. because he's so hot. Cape Fear. No, he, but I mean, he's good shape. He's skinny. Like, I mean, he looks like a good-looking dude. And then, like three years later, he's just like. <laughs> well, he kept it tight. He kept it tight in Cape Fear. I yeah. think he took yeah. Down Out in Beverly Hills too seriously. I think. <laughs> that was I'm the a big. So I, I listened to the WTF with Nick Nolte. I didn't realize his whole history, like uh, forging like documents so tra- draft dodgers could get out of uh, uh, Vietnam and shit like that. Like yep. he's a badass. Like he really is, and he's a good yeah. actor. He grunts through shit as you and know. He's got a badass, which why they didn't show it. In the- <laughs> and he he spits he spits constantly through this film. I don't know if you caught that. Always spitting. Except when he's lighting a cigarette, which is the so, whole movie is him lighting cigarettes. So I've got a note here, and I can only assume it comes out of the mouth of Nolte. This is late in the film. Hugabata! Does anybody know what the relevance of that is? No. Hugabata! So apparently he utters that during a scene. 
Well, no, I, I put the subtitles on um, during that to, When you're watching Nolte movies, you have to keep the <laughs> no, subtitles on. I put the subtitles on. on, and the subtitles says, we don't know. That's what it's <laughs> <laughs> the it's question a, mark. It's a, it's the resignation letter from the uh, subtitles guy. <laughs> It says peace out, Eddie. <laughs> what is what is the point of calling this movie Mulholland Falls? By the way, did well, you guys they roll William Peterson off of the the Mulholland Drive? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I know, that's but that's, that's literally where it stops and starts. <laughs> so the beginning of the movie, they that's where they roll. They take uh, William Peterson to the edge of this cliff, kind of like it's like a you know it's he doesn't die from it, but they push him over this thing called Mulholland Falls, right? Um, but they don't. They don't have falls in LA. Reference it? Yeah, that's what well, all it. And then he goes, they don't have falls. And then he goes, wait a minute, what are you? <laughs> so Mankey is a legendary editor. So mm-hmm. and she should have won the Oscar for this if she had done one little tweak. Yeah, you start the movie off. They push him down. You know, they leave. They roll William L down. You know. And then at the end, he hits the bottom. Like they add him hitting the bottom. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> and the film's perfect if if you if you take in the context of him rolling down a hill for three or four days. So did you guys see that? So on the film canisters, there's a lot of film canisters in this. Did you see the one that that was labeled that was his sex tape that it gets sent to his house that Melanie Griffith um, she ends up watching? Did you see that they had a name on it? What? I zoomed in. It says Mulholland Balls. So there was a cute little. By the way, what did you think of Melly Griffiths just you know, getting watching the sex tape in the basement? He has got like a home theater down there, apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a free sure. projector. Yeah. So I'm gonna and I'm gonna pause for I'm gonna pause for a minute because you bring up Sally Menke, and I get it, right? Okay, so she did Reservoir, Pulp Fiction, all Tarantino stuff. But often you'll hear this argument that, oh, a film's really made in the editing booth, like the editor should get more credit. I think she's actually an example, and I'm not trying to, because I know she's passed, but, and, and, and she did great, great work with Tarantino, but that's the only great work she ever did. So I think that kind of starts to get back to, it really starts with the director, because if you, you deliver a bunch right. of bad footage, you can edit it all you want. Lee Tim Horry said that. It, it ain't coming together, because she did. Are cheat. you actually trying to come hard on... Uh, basically come at Sally Menke during the well, Mahal and Paul. Not at all, but Nick Not just you? said, oh, I'm she's scared. legendary, and I just looked up her filmography. It was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mulholland Falls, and Tarantino. Like, if it wasn't for Tarantino, would she be as legendary? And by the way, Tarantino kept making good movies after. I'm not shitting on her. Uh, she, did, she did Nightwatch, so but you're apparently, wrong. Apparently, you Tarantino delivered good footage first. <laughs> Tarantino uh, gave her a lot of credit, so... You know, and, he's, and, and, and not, nothing wrong with that. He's and not I'm, a modest dude, so well. Know. Once again, I'm not. I'm not saying she's a bad person or anything like that. I just think it does speak to the idea that you know, at the end of the day, if you have a bad director, you're probably going to have a bad movie. That's it. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, I, I guess you haven't watched both versions of Reindeer Games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not. By the way, I watched before I watch one version of uh, Reindeer By the way, Games. episode 170 and 171. <laughs> <laughs> Are there two versions of the movie? Yes. So, anyway, what you know before John so cruelly interrupted me with his disparaging of Sally Menke somehow, which came out of nowhere. How dare well, you? Well, because he says he's legend. She's legendary for being associated with. No, Tarantino. not just men because no. she died. She's a legend now. She's one with the force. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> 
anyway, so uh, but what do you think of Melanie Griffiths? She's like twenty two oh, minutes oh. into like a forty five minute sixty nine scene, and she's like, you know what? Is this? Is this? Do you guys? Do you guys actually start? Is there penetration? I don't know how mad to get. You know, <laughs> and she was watching the whole thing. She was all. She, doesn't, she does not like what she sees. She doesn't like that that she's watching her husband I, have sex with uh, the Jennifer Jennifer Connelly, who is uh, like, a lot younger you, than her. I love that though. You got to give her credit for being a fan of ours because the camera pans down and she has a notepad and it, and it just says, "Zoom in." One of her nipples is smaller than the other. <laughs> So she said, uh, she says to Nolte when he comes home, she's like, I'm not clear. Did you fuck her? I can't. It wasn't so clear. Um, yeah. So she's not happy and she, she's actually crying, tries to sleep it off and then doesn't forgive Nolte, which she's shocked by. I you actually, gonna- I, I love that actually at the end, yeah. uh, because you think she's totally going to suck off and, 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 g- and give in to him. And she totally doesn't. And, and then, and the film ends on that awfully maudlin note where she, she just kicks just him walking the off. Yeah. Just she walking into the graveyard. I know. It's like, I think your car's over here, ma'am. Like, just turn it back around. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you, if, you, if you keep watching toward the very end of that scene, um, Daniel Baldwin comes out of nowhere and he, and he hands her another, t- <laughs> another ca- film canister. He's actually, there was a fourth tape that you haven't seen yet. Yeah. Um, so, so at the end of the film, <laughs> If She's pecking his dick with marshmallows in this one. Nick Nolte <laughs> trespassed on a, a secure government site, mm-hmm. um, shot two military officers, threw them out of a plane, shot another guy, left him for dead, the pilot. Um, no evidence because he left it behind with John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess at the end of it, everybody's like, all right, we can just wrap this up. Everybody can just well, go. Well, those guys, uh, so they... they- they have that plane. Yeah, they confront the killers and the, the they they, yeah. This they have a whole. They throw both killers out of the plane. They throw both Treat Williams and Kyle Chandler. They both get out. Of, they both get um, jettisoned. We don't see them die though. So no, we don't. We don't see them flat. Um, but you're right. The pilot gets shot. They they have a, a a rough landing. The pilot. They wake the dying pilot up to land the plane, which which is <laughs> and Chuck Palminteri threatens to kill him. He's like, "I'll fucking shoot you if you don't land this plane." He's he like, "I'm half dead." He looks like, yeah, he looks like he took a headshot. They wake him up, and his like final act on Earth, I imagine, is landing this plane. But Chaz, unfortunately, you know, I think we can all agree, has been gut shot. Yeah, and dies yeah. in Nolte's arms. And and I thought it was nice. Nolte has this really kind of sweet moment where he's like. Um, stay awake, come on, come on, stay awake, which is like the same thing he told them when they were reading the script for the first time, which I thought was <laughs> a sweet throwback. I feel bad for yeah. Nolte a little bit because uh, at, mm. Melanie Griffith didn't watch that whole sex tape. So, <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, if you keep watching till the end, um, Connolly mm-hmm. and Nolte hold up cards that say, we're faking it, We, I love you, Melanie Griffith. So it was actually like a, a birthday card for his wife. So they yeah. f- they fake fuck for like six hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at the end, punk, you know, I love you, Melanie. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was sweet. He called her Melanie too, huh? <laughs> By the way, I thought it was a cool twist at the end when they let Chaz drive his own hearse. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a, they do have a funeral scene for Chaz at the end, and the Hat Squad put their put Chaz's hat, and then Madison and Chris Penn they put their hats on his casket. Nick Nolte does not take his hat off, but mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. casket at one point is wearing three hats, which looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it is brings a little bit of a, a wrong note, I think, at the end. The ca- the casket looks fucking cool, man. 
Is it supposed to look that cool? And it lights a cigarette. Um, do you think that Madison and Chris Penn are, are at the funeral because they're mourning Chaz or they're mourning the fact that they never got to say a line in this movie <laughs> between them? Chris Penn is there to smoke cigars. And yep. Mike Madsen's there to look how all those guys are supposed to look if they want to be period accurate. Because Madsen looks like he was carved from that era. Like that's he, he does so he perfect. Does. If he's so he's so effortlessly cool, like he's just he's just like cool in these scenes, and he has they gets nothing to do. You know, he Melanie Griffith gets more to do than he does. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like you you wonder what a career for him would have been like if he had actually made a couple of good choices and and had mm-hmm. a few, some luck because he is. He looks apart. I mean, as far back as Thelma and Louise, that guy was just so magnetic on screen. Obviously, he's, yeah. he's great in the Tarantino stuff, and he's really good in the Getaway. Actually, um, just a shame that he never caught on because he he's, he's, he he would have been one of those character actors we'd still be loving right now. I, I, st- I still like him. Yeah, because what does he show up in though? Does so he show up in anything? Yeah. So anymore? no, because he's he's shit. Was he in? Was he in Once Upon a Time? He had a tiny, tiny part in uh, Django. Yeah, and he, had, I think that was after years of begging for the Vega brothers, and finally realizing it's never going to happen. Tarantino threw him a little bone. Um, do you think Nolte at the end when he's trying to convince Melanie Griffith to come back to him, and he, do you think there was a bad argument when he's like, you know, I love you, I always love you, but she was hot as hell. <laughs> I can't. You, you got to forgive me for this one. I mean, did you see her? She was damn cute. You saw the tape. <laughs> he, 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 they, they, so and then and then he shows her the the autopsy pictures and said, "I've decided to to, to leave her." <laughs> <laughs> and then Melanie Griff is like, "You broke my heart. Uh, you broke my heart. The exact moment it broke was uh, minute forty three. Whenever you guys were dog <laughs> doing doggy." <laughs> um, yeah, and that was the 18th time you came. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, John left. Yeah. Much like he did during the scene when Nolte was grabbing I up. Thought it was, I, thought, I thought it was a bit much when, they're, when they stumble across the scene of her in the desert, and she's, you know, face down, and, and th- there's like a three-mile radius of just Nolte's sperm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> did you think... Um, do you think? Do you think uh, that's how an apocalypse can start? If the, the the world realizes there's in circulation Nick Nolte sex tapes, and then all of a sudden the world goes com- to complete hell. Um, I don't. If there, do you think there? Do you think he's ever videotaped himself in real life? Oh yes, I'm sure he has. That's Nolte. Yeah. But the thing is, and and I did listen to that WTF as well, and it is great. And Nolte is awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's a he's been he's a lifer too. I mean, if, you know, he came into the oh, scene the, in the early seventies. Yeah, six, yeah, yeah, late sixties, early seventies. And his career, he's actually had one of those careers that has defined eras, like Clint Eastwood does too, where they actually, w- whether by choice or not, change their entire kind of model as they went mm-hmm. along. I love it; it's great. Like, no, he, and he's amazing. He's so talented. He even sired an incredible actor. Yeah, Brawley. Yeah, from Ransom, Brawley yeah. Nolte. All right, so you guys love the film. That's good to know. Um, it's time to do the work, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, so yeah, is. you're at the tattoo parlor, and uh, you have to get something from Mulholland Falls put on your person. And he's mm-hmm. got that needle humming. He's waiting for an answer. So what you got? 
I know for me, I'm going to get, geez, what a big hole uh, <laughs> tattooed on my lower back. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, I, that's a good position for it, then. I, I get it. <laughs> you should have the four of them standing over the tip of your ass. <laughs> little, little arrow pointing down. Yeah, you should. Hmm. What, what, a, what about you, Nick? Um, damn. I think what I, I think uh, I'm going to have like like a sleeve mm. of 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 William L. rolling down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't look great at the end of that. It didn't, no, he, I mean, he was. I love it when they're like, "Do you think he's dead?" <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, he looked like one of the ghosts from the Grudge or something. He's all fucked up. <laughs> he didn't die though. No, he no, didn't. Apparently. But they really he just they, looked. He looked pissed. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I, I would get. I'd just get that famous scene from this of Nolte begrudgingly handing the car keys to Chaz <laughs> to let him drive. And then I'd have beside that scene, I'd have a little like, like a slash. Yeah. And then showing Chaz driving. Do you know what I'm saying? A little I th- hard around it. Yeah. I, I thought it was cool that he put the black armband on when, when he found Connolly's body. And then he, he put another black armband around his other arm when the, he had to give the keys over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my favorite part, though, is that Michael Madsen was riding shotgun, and even though him <laughs> yeah. and Chaz were partners, he went Madsen to the back seat. In the back seat. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. It was like a social <laughs> dynamics exercise. Yeah, it's like everybody I mean, fell right into their spots. I mean, Michael Madsen doesn't have a lot to do in this movie besides, gee, what a big hole, what a big <laughs> hole, and the other part about you know all the waves rolling and flopping around. He gets more to do than Chris Penn does. But he has that Madsen thing where he just has those great little like smirks or like you know where he changes his like the squint in his eyes just a little bit, and it's like to me it's a frustrating thing because I think Michael Madsen when he's in his moment like when he's really like is fucking great like there's nobody better than michael madsen when he's on but when he's off there's nobody worse and um this was a sad movie because it was this medium it was like in the middle where like he had a little bit of fun stuff but not a lot to do to your point chris penn was basically wasted Um, you should you should take it literally and figuratively you should take a job as madsen's agent because what you just said is way better like when 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 madsen's agent calls him he's like person i could take or leave him that's his sales pitch on meds. <laughs> but I mean, I guess and it's funny just how timing like timing on things work out. Because once again, I mentioned I watched LA Confidential, which is like a better version of this movie, which came out a year later. But I also rewatched Reservoir Dogs recently. And I mean, he's fucking so good in that movie. I mean, nobody's mm-hmm. better than Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs, in my opinion. I mean, that is like a classic, classic role. I used to have the... Like Chris the eight foot, six foot long poster where it was like, you know, I don't know if you saw those, but Reservoir Dogs, they had those huge posters and it was all the different characters and his was like, they made the posters about, that? yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I used to have it in my, in my, in high school, I had it in my wall. I wish I could find it. I think my mom threw it out, but it's like, you know, it's that line about like, if, you, if they hadn't have done what I told them not to do, they'd still be alive or whatever. And it was just Mr. Blonde. I'm like, that guy is such a badass. Yeah. And, you know, cool. and, and there were moments. I mean, he was the, he was the least worst thing about this movie, in my opinion. Just like his little lines. Like, once again, I, I, I'm a big fan. Now, now he's I had a big blown up picture of the cop from that from that movie. You know? <laughs> just Kirk, missing Kirk, here. Kirk Baltz. Yeah. Kirk Baltz. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Only um, Nick and Deanna would know that name the, of that motherfucker. The, <laughs> the thing I love that the, the the moment I knew I loved Reservoir Dogs is when Madsen talks into the ear. 
That's the moment. <laughs> yeah. That's when I fell in love. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. um, you've been given the uh, financing, thank God, to do a sequel to Mulholland Falls. What shape does that storyline take? Wait, you, I thought you said it did get a sequel. Yeah. There's not a part two? Oh, they dropped the ball. <laughs> um, No, they... No. Yeah, drop Connolly. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, mine's actually a horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a zombified Chaz Palminteri wakes up in his mm-hmm. secret, in his grave, right? He rolls out and he breaks through the wood and he's, you know, gnarled. And the whole movie is him trying to decide which of those three hats to wear. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> he's, he's just sitting like Indian style in his coffin down there choosing hat. Yeah. <laughs> choosing a hat. Sure, sure. Yeah. I think mine yeah. would be uh, Daniel Baldwin having to go back to the FBI and explain getting his ass whipped in that parking garage and just like you see his career just devolve from there like Jay Edgar just going, you fucking bitch. And pressing charges, trying to you know get restitution for getting his ass whipped. Because there is a moment where the chief, Bruce Dern, is like, you know, because Chaz is like, the chief really wants to talk to you, right? And um, he's mad that, you know, what is he says like attempted murder a kidnapping like all these various charges you think the fbi would just drop that no of course not so no. yeah it would be about that it would be about you know daniel baldwin getting justice for getting his ass whipped in that parking garage i love it i i my sequel would just follow melanie griffith's character is it is her name Catherine in this i can't remember her name just reading uh, ernest hemingway books and uh, yeah. relaxing no, just like you find know, out what divorce. happens after she after she skips across that graveyard out of yeah. Dulty's life, like, trying, she, well, yeah, she, yeah, trying menopause on for size. So she, um, <laughs> yeah, she maybe she starts dating um, Bruce Dern's character, and then Dulty's like, "This is my life now." He can't believe it, you know, like he feels betrayed, but he's the one that screwed up, you know. And then they have a kid, you know, her, her and Bruce Dern. The kid, since they're so old, the kid comes out ten years old. It's just, and then she know, wakes up, and the kid is slamming it to that video that that, that film. <laughs> Like I don't know who this guy is, but I am fucking rock hard right now, and he's just pounding it. I hope this woman's not flat. <laughs> and um, called Mel, Mel, call Mel Holland Falls. Is her arm look like spaghetti? But they rolled her over, and she still looked like beautiful Jennifer Conley. It's That's like right. didn't her face would have taken the loss. Didn't have Nary have a broken tooth? But she, her arm was super fucked. She must have landed just on landed it. straight on her arm. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, everything Stop. else is fine. <laughs> That actually, uh, that actually makes me happy thinking of it. Um, her, her trying to brace her fall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can relate. I mean, that's why when you kind of do the same, like, uh, like maybe this will work. It probably won't, but I'll give it a shot. I would not be alive by the time I hit the ground. I would, I would, if I was pushed out of a plane, I'd overdose on drugs on the way down. <laughs> You'd have, you have like a, a, a cyanide capsule. No, I would just, over, I would overdose on heroin. I would like tie my arm off and inject madly into myself on my way down. Get fucking super stoned and die. <laughs> it's the way to do it. I think if you're going to fall out of people, plane. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people have heart attacks when that kind of stuff happens, you know? To your point, they get super scared. They get themselves all worked up. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's probably not a calming thing, you know? <laughs> Just relax, man. It's not a big deal. Just enjoy the ride. I think that'd be great if you had the, if you were such a badass that you, once you realized that it, what was happening, you kind of just like put your arms behind your head and just fucking took a you know, took a you know, took a nice gander at what you were looking at and just enjoyed it. You know, 
That'd be great. Yeah. Like, uh, like Vigo, some... Vigo in daylight. Do you remember that? Vigo Mortensen in do? daylight. He accepts his, like the things blowing up, like is, is this like, giant fireball is rising up and he just like accepts it. He like feasts on it as it's coming up. It's wonderful. Yeah. He, that's good. Um, all right. So uh, you have been um, inserted into Mulholland Falls. Mm-hmm. You're in this movie. What character, what does your character do in this thing? <laughs> um, I think for me, I'd probably try to interject some logic somehow, like try to make like, you know, the, the story actually work. That would be probably my main goal. It's like, how do we actually turn this into a movie that actually makes sense? You would, your character would be doing that? I, I think so. I think I'd try to, I'd probably be the good detective that wouldn't leave the evidence behind, wouldn't, um, you know, get caught by the FBI, you know, beating people to death. In parking garages, you know, I'd be that character. You have a name. You have a name. Uh, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Just, just Rick. <laughs> you didn't. Yes, we didn't mention that Aaron Neville's in this movie. Did we? We mention it yet? We talked about it before we started recording. No, we did not. But yeah, he makes a cameo. Melanie Griffith is vibing out to Aaron Neville and some nightclub. He's doing. He's doing what he does best. He's singing. He's singing with that. That, that, that awful, sweet voice of his. Yeah, yeah, that, that awful, that, annoying voice of his. He's, that, that, he's doing that. Beep, beep, beep. He's kind of got that little. Beep. <laughs> he's like he always a, sings about uh, cotton. That's his big thing. Remember, he sings about cotton clothes, like on the commercial. <laughs> the touch, the feel of, of cotton. The okay. touch, the feel um, of cotton. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. I forgot about he's that. Got, he's yeah, got yeah. a little rolling gift going on, right? A little rolling gift sound kind of coming out of him. Yeah, they zoom in. They zoom in on his uh, his mole. In this, well, you can't. Not, you can. You can. You could zoom out and still have it. I mean, it's everywhere. <laughs> uh, How about you, Nick? Madsen looks and goes, "That's a big mole." <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's a big mole. <laughs> He's underselling it. How about um, you, Nick? Are you in it, Justin? Have you done your thing? I haven't done mine. No. Mm-mm. I'd be besties with Chaz Palminteri's character. Um, I believe his character's name is Coolridge. Coolridge, I think. I'd be his buddy and I'd be encouraging him because he's in therapy and he's always talking about therapy and he's got all these hangups like he is always eating uh, to stave off his uh, anger. And I'd just be, I'd be, hang, I'd be nicer to him than Nick Nolte. I'd be his bestie. Um, what do you guys think? And then when he was, uh, I'd be at the funeral when he, you know, everybody wouldn't, you know, they're burying him. I'd, you'd hear me in the silence and be like, good. I was lying. I never liked him. I'm happy he's dead. That is one far, fun part about Chaz Palminteri's character is that whenever they're like throwing people off a cliff or, you know, threatening to or thinking about it, because there's a moment where they're they're going to go rough up Andrew McCarthy, right? They're like, we should go brace him, you know? And he's always like, oh, geez, guys, I didn't think we were going to do that anymore. So maybe you're like his pal. Yeah, like you said, that just trying to be like, don't worry about that but time. I secretly hated him. And then when he's, when he's dead, I, I say good at the funeral, and everybody turns around, like, gasping. And I said, what? Oh, I didn't say good. I said, <laughs> um, I wish he would have lived. <laughs> I like that he would, he would wait till the funeral to say it's good that he died. <laughs> I hope actually, he was in pain. I actually, hope he's in pain when he died. What'd you say? I hope he was... Uh, hit not hit by a train like i would like you'd be bad at covering up my absolute hatred for chaz palmentary's character who by the way is on instagram i went and looked at his instagram Ch- and chaz palmentary has an instagram oh my god it's i'm it right now he's uh, having a tough um he's losing some f- uh, friends to this uh, pandemic 
Mm. Oh, nice. no. Yeah. So he's but basically, would, he has a picture of them, and it says, bye bye <laughs> No. No. That's not. That's, but he, that sounds uh, like something Chaz would do. But he is, um, uh, I would be, yeah, that's who, who would you be, Nick? Who would, um, what part of the sex tape would you be? No, <laughs> I'm Andrew McCarthy's gaffer. So what I would do is, I, you know, I get the, I'd get things is that ready. A, is that a slur? No, no, no. I'd, I'd get things ready before the shoot. <laughs> I'd play, uh, you know, little, little trace elements of makeup on some of the people, and then you know, if he wanted to whip a load into me, I'd let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> whip one. So I was, yeah, I was just, yeah, I just wanted to ensure the quality of the recordings. You know, I was there to for posterity. You know what fucking kills me, Justin, is Chas Palmentary has 60,000 followers on Instagram. How is that possible? He's an an usual suspects is how it's possible, man. He's the beloved Chas Palmentary. I'm a big Chas Palmentary fan. I just can never contemplate actually following him on Instagram. Sounds like it during this. You guys are both hating on him. He's tough to look at sometimes. I would say the reason I'm hating on it is not his fault. I think that 100% every problem we have with this movie is Lee Tamahori's fault. Like, they're there. And I mean, maybe he was an inexperienced director, and I'm not, you know, whatever. I love the edge that came next, but I definitely direction give some was, credit. I would agree, but a good director will take it and turn the story. In, you know, um, Nick, you turned me on to the Empire Spoiler podcast and listening to uh, Christopher McQuarrie's Jack Reacher. I just put a period after you turned me on. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the Christopher McQuarrie uh, episode is like three hours long and really mm-hmm. talking about like as a writer, right? He started as a writer and, and he talked about when he made way of the gun, he was so precious with his own script that he made a shitty mm-hmm. movie. And let's face it, way of the gun is a bad movie. The first like five it minutes, not is a, a funny, bad movie. It's not a great movie. Um, but anyway, I my like point that. is, is he, he was very open and honest about the idea that like, you know, your job as a writer is to write your job as a director is to make the movie. And so he took a lot of the responsibility Right or wrong, and I'm not saying way of the gun's terrible. It's just not it's great. Not. Um, and I think for me, I think it, I think he's very hard on that movie. I think it's it's a lot better than he that he admits. You and know, I'll I think admit, he, I need to rewatch it. Like that mm-hmm. first scene is so funny, where uh, Ryan Felipe tells Sarah Silverman he wants to fuck start her face. Like so that stupid. one is so fucking her funny. Head. I know. I know, yeah, but it's so funny. <laughs> like, it's got I mean, it's got one of the uh, my favorite shootouts in film at the end of that film. It's 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 great, and it's got you know Benicio's fantastic, and it's got a great cast. It's I think it's worth worth revisiting. I, I guess my point is though is that you know a, what sounds good on the page like isn't always cinematic, and I think that that's mm-hmm. where it's like there's some funny lines in this movie. The plot's not over the top stupid. It's just. It just doesn't come together, and I think it was really the idea that they took it's a fairly not because Nolte and Connolly did in that on that tape. They what on the tape? Cummed all over it. Come together. This is uh, a little bit of a cute you joke. You guys, all, don't do, I mean Tomahori? I mean, it was his first American film. That's got to be daunting. And did you see how good the female costuming was in this film? He he must have been super distracted. <laughs> he was. He was on. He was in ninja clothes on night mission, stealing some of that shit. Yeah, he did. Get, he had a little hiccup in his career because he a proposi- He dressed. He cross dressed in proposition to cop. I, I believe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and got arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he offered to blow an undercover. He cop. did not end his career though, and he's still directing stuff. I think he directed an episode of Billions recently. 
And he's had a couple of films. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for me, like that kind of stuff, like I guess for me, I don't know, you know, whatever your deal is, that's whatever, you know. No, it's great. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm just glad he has good taste. <laughs> just sucking uh, some cop stick. <laughs> no, no, I mean in clothing, in clothing. Nice clothes. Oh. Looks, uh, he, he's, still, he's still out there, right? What what other what else has he done that's worthwhile besides Once We Were Warriors? So the, so Anything? this, then The Edge, then he did... Ed, Ed. I, the edge too. And the edge is another, great. And then another day's a nightmare. Well, yeah, the, but one of the more successful Bond movies up to that moment. Um, nightmare. Not great. Not good. Um, he did Along Came a Spider. He did Triple um, X uh, State of the Union, the sequel. And Whoa. then I'm pretty sure that was that. And then he's done a few smaller things, like one with a, uh, the dude from Preacher, where it was like Saddam Hussein's body double or something. Oh and yeah, that wasn't that wasn't awful. That wasn't awful. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, the Devil's Double, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, so the fact that you said it wasn't awful because I like Dominic. What's his name? Dominic Cooper. Uh, Do- Dominic Cooper. Uh, he's great in Preacher, even though the show wasn't great. It had moments, but I liked him. Um, but yeah, point is, is I think he's now most recently made billions, as you mentioned, Justin, as well as he's back in New Zealand made a movie called The Patriarch. That was a book, so, based, you know. So anyway, he he's uh, he did a long came a spider, Nick, which is we are going to do oh, that. Absolutely, we're going to do that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't I don't need it. Yeah. I have I've only watched it once this year. I, I can't let it just be once this year. Is that said, James it's Patterson, a, right? Yeah, yeah. It's an off, we, it's an off talked about movie between Nick and and myself. We we talk about talk about that movie a lot. Yeah, I, we, I did not know he directed. And that. we did kiss the girls already this year, so we're we're on track. So I can't keep the two straight. So I remember seeing both, but kiss the girls is the guy he the serial killer keeps the the people in a basement dungeon yeah, like in the woods. The okay, mm-hmm. okay. So mm-hmm. what's along came a spider? Because that's a sequel. It's a, it's, it's like a high like the the the. the Kidnapping one from okay. the school, the school, yeah, rich yeah, kid yeah. kidnapping one. Okay, and, gotcha. with the most realistic car accident of all time. It's the one that won all the Oscars. <laughs> you know, all the <laughs> Who's our favorite in that? Who? What's the what's the actress's name? Monica Potter. Yeah, Monica Potter. Um, okay, so you um, have been given the budget to have your own enterprise relating to Mulholland Falls. This is a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. What are you gonna What are you gonna put it What are you gonna put into the world? To, to kind of I think I'd, I think I'd be a milliner. I'd be uh, making hats to supply all these motherfuckers with hats and casket casket hats. That's actually yeah. an un, that's a that's an area of the hat business that's actually been untapped. That untapped I think I'm gonna market. get into. Yeah, yeah that's can, right. and, and let me throw some ideas your way. Don't you don't just have to do those kind of you know those hats that they're wearing in this movie. But I'm thinking baseball casket hat. Well, why yeah, don't you make? No, you can make it like you can, you can make it like yeah. Fathead, and you can have like v- decals on the top of the coffin of them in celebratory mode or something like that. You know, <laughs> of the person in the casket, yeah, like a, a Fathead of them. <laughs> do, do you keep the uh, the like the like uh, what do you call it the uh, fucking uh, tag on it like the, the kids do these days? <laughs> actually, a good idea. It's actually a good idea. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> it's, it's celebratory mode. <laughs> that is a actually that's a great spot for that's a wasted spot on a casket. It is. Put yeah. some corporate logos on there. Yeah. Get some get some. Or, uh, get even some like you think people they could sign it. You know how people sign casts? 
they can sign cast kids. Yeah. You, know, like, you know what's funny? <laughs> I see this in movies all the time where, where they put somebody in a perfectly good, expensive costume and then send it into the crematorium and they yeah. burn that bitch. Like, why don't you just put the why, why would you, why do you need a coffin for that? I mean, I, granted, I've cremated a few people in my day, but I mean, no, <laughs> I've got ashes in my fucking house. <laughs> my uncle, for God's sakes. <laughs> but um, yeah. the uh, why do you put a whole coffin? Why do you burn that fabulous thing? I don't think they do it in real life. That's not a real thing that happens. Well, the um, tall man did it. <laughs> yeah, they definitely don't burn caskets. Um, yeah, I think um, hmm, that's interesting. Well, I'll look into. The, I'll see if anybody's done a fat head on a coffin yet. Yeah, because this could actually <laughs> cut this part of the podcast out because we might have a business, gentlemen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> celebratory mode. That's the best. <laughs> All right. I'm sad, All right. So that's anyway. that's John. Or he. Uh, what's up, Justin? What you got? What did I have? I had one, and then I started laughing at yours. Um. All right. I've got like uh, you know how they have those like sky zones. Uh, and yeah. they have, you know, like rooms where like those play areas, there's all these like places where, you know, people go to have a great time, you know, run around, bounce on trampolines and shit, you know, fly yeah, around like monkey, Joe's fly, or yeah, fucking, monkey Joe's, uh, right. Yeah. Flying yeah. around the room and shit. So I, I'm going to start my own chain called William L's and it's, <laughs> you just roll down fucking it's a, the side it's, of a mountain. It's a giant Nerf mountain. <laughs> I, and you fucking roll forever. And and actually, you, you, what you do is you find like a rock quarry that's about done, right? And you the build, nerf mountain. yeah, and you build it way up, and so you fall like yeah. for a long time, and you just take your kids sure. and send them shitting down a mountain for a while. <laughs> and then at the is there a dress code? Do they have to dress crazy before they can get in? Like it's, it's, a, it's a bonus. Well, the, the nerf is all different Peterson approved mm. colors, but and at the <laughs> and at the bottom, you get a photo taken with a, a standee of William L. A fathead. <laughs> that's an uh, that's another business idea we may have to look into. There you go. I would just get going back to what I said earlier that the I would I, I whatever that they were doing back then, just get I would just get like a make manufacture purses for cars or whatever the heck that thing a wallet <laughs> whatever it was hanging off the hood or ornament a little purse some kind of some kind of bag. That I don't. What do you keep in it? You know, like what, like let's say you're getting into your car, you're about to leave, but beforehand you want to put some possessions in there. You know, I guess Nick. You know, Nick has a notebook that means a lot to him that you could put that in there. Maybe your laptop. I don't know. You know, a couple pictures. Or if you want your wallet, I don't know. Just put something. It could be your, or maybe it's the car's personal items. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like a picture of it. Of his dad, I don't know what part. What. <laughs> you could have, or you could put what's left of Treat Williams and Kyle Chandler in there. <laughs> extra, extra gas cap, yeah, um, a sap, a backup, you know, blackjack. Yeah, yeah. Or like some, you know, like a, in case your headlight goes out, you could have like a spare little bulb in there. I don't know what car. I don't remember this item, so I have to rewatch the film a couple of times. I'll send you guys a picture. Yeah, please I do because I, I was I'll actually right upset now. that I didn't see it, and I'm not not really wanting to rewatch it. To, you should. To, that's exactly. During the era of COVID, you should be upset that you haven't seen. Well, this actually, picture. on Netflix, it, it like it'll show up in your queue. It says because you didn't notice the purse, and it has. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right, I'm sending. I'm sending it to Nicky. Nick, you need to send it on to John. Oh, because I, I should. I should be on your phone. I've sent you text messages. And oh, I have. Yeah, I'll send it to you too. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, you're on there. That's huge. I got worried that I got worried for some reason. I had your wrong email today. My email is my name at Gmail. So. Okay. Well, then yeah, I know. Get it ready for that microscope fan mail to start hitting. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bad picture, obviously. I took it late, but you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, hopefully, it's a selfie with it in the background. Did it Did it arrive yet, gentlemen? Not yet. Oh. It also has a Holy shot of the... What the fuck? Oh, God damn it. You're right. Looks like a, it looks like a feedback. What the fuck is that? <laughs> that's, I don't think that comes standard with the car. I think that's... I zoomed in. <laughs> Like they I, did they that, hit like I a, think they I think that that's car gotta, that's that's got to be the image y'all use on Twitter and Instagram. I think I think that uh, that, that car in this movie was like Bruce the Shark and Jaws. It's like they had to reshoot so much shit because the, the car kept throwing its purse up. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. No, no, we got to shoot that again. The car threw its fucking purse out again. God damn it, Bruce! Big old bag. I, but I don't. But Maybe if you look at it, bag. it's literally just thrown over top of the thing. I don't think it has. I don't think Buick manufactured that bag. <laughs> no, no. It looks like it's like they put it over a, the the hood ornament. It's like attached. Yeah, yeah. But it also wasn't moving much. It's like it's almost like affixed to the bumper somehow too. I. It's so strange. I. Well, I gotta read uh, the history of this uh, car bag. <laughs> um, well, this was a, an early attempt at an airbag. And it, 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 it wasn't effective. <laughs> In case you hit somebody. Yeah. Supposed to help them. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, yeah, it's a strange image. So you're on an island, and you've you've been tasked with bringing one beautiful item from this movie with you. Yeah. I'm going to bring Nick Nolte's sap, because it, it definitely gets the job done in this film. That is a great item to have out there. Well, just in case anybody you know comes messing honestly, around, you just smash them in the face. <laughs> yeah, if somebody walks up to you with one of those in your hands, you're like, I should not fuck with this person. If if he's willing to, to come blindly into a fight with me with a, with a, with just that, I need to retreat. Yeah, I mean, I love, like I said, we talked about it earlier, but the the garage scene's great. But when they're in the car, they're back on the military base, and Nick Nolte's talking to that MP who's like trying to be serious. And if you watch the film, it's actually a great edit. But when I say edit, there's no edit. That's what's so great about it. But Nick Nolte just smashes that kid right in the fucking <laughs> face with it. He just fucking like whack. And then later they show him and he's not bleeding. I mean, his nose would be Sally broken. Mackey like, will take the compliment. Sally yeah. Mackey will take the compliment, John. Well, I, like I said, I'm not trying to shit on her. I'm just saying that you can't act like the director is not. Just came know, natural, I guess. Yeah. Not yeah. trying to. It's just that idea that a lot of people try to take away credit from Tarantino after she died. Like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And let's face it, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably his second greatest film of all time. So let's just put it out there. Directors are important. That's all I'm saying. Oh, they, there's no doubt that they are. Uh, yeah, although, I don't think would disagree. But, uh, but, but uh, I'm just saying, he's got, he's got yeah. a new editor that's pretty good, too. I heard an interview with him. He's, he's interesting, dude. I don't know his name, though. Uh you know who agrees with you is oh, Sally no. Menke. Uh, her coffin's got a fat head of Tarantino with his thumbs up. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, what about you, Nate? What would you take? On the island? Mm-hmm. Um, damn, there's some sweet shit there. Man, that's tough, man. 
You know what I'm gonna have? I'm gonna have the uh, the cockpit of that plane, that little set. I'm gonna have that like up against my island, like almost as if I had crash landed there, and 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 I'll just cozy on up next to that shattered pilot, you know, yeah. and, and just watch the sunset next to him. You know, I'll, 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 I'll set it on the island to where I can watch the sunset through the cockpit of the damaged pilot. Is he it? wakes up from, like we said, he wakes up from a headshot to land the plane. That is maybe the, the most heroic fil- moment of this film. Yeah, It's an insane moment. And, and One of my can, favorite parts can, of Wikipedia is that it actually says the, the, the fate of the pilot is unknown. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we can all agree he's dead. Yeah. I don't think, it, yeah, I don't oh, think no. the film needed to explain that part to us. And then people come up to me and say, how do you keep track of how many days you've been on this island? And I'll say, just go count the post-mortem wounds on that pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds that's good. I would take um, what I take. I would just take Nick Nolte's grunts. Have, have I taken them? <laughs> no, I don't did think I because I don't remember it in Cape Fear. So yeah, because I would like that's you know. <laughs> let's be honest. I'm not going to be doing much work on this island. I'm not going to. But when I do. I want to make it look like I'm actually doing hard work. And so if I'm like, I don't know, what are they threading some, you know, vegetation together to make, I don't know. Are they grunts? Are they size? Are they grumble? I'll take it all. I'll take it all. Whatever you, however you want to classify it. Maybe you can, maybe that'd be part of what I do there is classify the different sounds that come from Nolte. And, uh, that I just play those whenever I'm exerting myself. Um, over my own yeah. grunts and stuff. Like he, there's there's a part in this movie when he's found out his wife finds out that he cheated on her, obviously, and then he the next morning he's he's been drinking and he's grunting all over the place. He's grunting over the sink. He's spitting into the sink. You know, <laughs> um, I'd, I'd I'd focus on that area of the film and bring bring a lot of the sounds from that piece. Yeah, um, that's what I do, man. Be keeping away the the animals for sure. I want you to envision what it must be like to be sleeping next to Nick Nolte at night. The kind of sounds coming out of that heap. A lot of sleep apnea issues, I'm sure. Do you think he snores? A hundred percent. I think. I mean, not even question. Yeah, I think when snores snored, Nick Nolte sounds come out of him. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely wearing that Darth Vader sleep apnea mask every night to sleep. One hundred percent. I believe. I'm not sure. I saw a recent picture of him. Um, with a like a four year, like a kid, I think he's pro- I think he's still uh producing children in his old age. I think he's <laughs> I think he's still young, you know, young at heart. Did he talk about that on the interview you guys listened to? Is he still uh, I don't remember that part. I don't he's like 80 years old. Jesus Christ, how old is he? Well, he's 79, but he was born in 41. You know, blew my mind. So after watching this movie, I had to cleanse my palate. So I'd never seen the conversation. So I watched that movie. And what Mm -hmm. blew my mind is that the movie came out in 72 and Gene Hackman is talking about being 44 in the movie. And I looked it up and sure shit, that motherfucker was 42, actually. But it's like, I mean, I know, like, I knew he was older. I just didn't know he was that old. He was born in 1930. He He was born in 1930. And I mean, I don't know why I just never... I mean, I would have always aged him about 10 years younger. Um, and it was a great movie. I'd never seen it. I don't know why I waited so long to see it. But He's uh, got a 13-year-old daughter, Nolte does. Okay. Okay. It must have been not so, so recent. I want could... you to imagine him singing happy birthday to her. Happy <laughs> 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 
Well, at least he remembered the words, and that's good. You know, <laughs> he's still acting. He's in the Mandalorian. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Disney Plus flagship. They killed. They killed him off. Yeah, but he. he they was, killed him off. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, that's going to be a hard loss when he takes it. Because mm-hmm. uh, he may fuck hell up. I mean, <laughs> when he goes, <laughs> yeah. when he, when he assuredly goes to hell, he's going to fuck it up down there. Yeah, he's like the staggerly of acting, right? Go down there and kick the devil's ass. Yeah, exactly. Love me some Nolt. Does he do a lot of voiceover? <laughs> he does voice under. <laughs> <laughs> This is my 